Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. This week's episode is like the most unconventional trip to the chiropractor ever. Dr. Mike Wasilissen of Cali Spine, great name by the way, and the Instagram sensation at MoveYouOfficial is one of the quote back pain guys. He and his business partner are leading the cause and battling the bullshit in their own right in an attempt to get folks out of pain and moving sexier. Hear how Mike is transforming the treatment approach to pain and injury prevention by equipping his clients with knowledge and simplicity. Dr. Mike also dispels many of the myths about treating pain with drugs, rehab, and limiting your training. Where does the real cure lie? To find out, you'll have to tune in. And Luke offers his approach to creating an internal brace through the consumption of a four-pound burrito. Apparently, purposeful overeating of Mexican food can dramatically decrease anterior pelvic tilt. At least, that's the argument for this short-term back pain solution. Ay ay ay. This is episode 187. Our athlete nation, what is up? You have Luke, Tex, and John in the same room in Southern California for maybe the last episode of Power Athlete Radio in SoCal. The last Power Athlete Radio from... Oh, we got County. one more. We got Dave Spitz coming Well, we up. probably have 27 different more that we really don't know about. Yeah, because Tex just, just fucking... randomly fucking programmed. All willy-nilly. They're in your calendar. <sighs> no, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. You know how I know they're... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. They're in my calendar, but they're not in yours, seeing as that you booked one that you were supposed to be on, and you were in Europe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, we talked it before the Listen, was booked. we don't need to air our dirty laundry. This is a professional podcast. The scheduling is on point. Everything is amazing. It's great. It's huge. Because it is the premier uh, podcast in strength and conditioning. conditioning. <laughs> Power Athlete Radio. Uh, no public service announcements. Uh, we're all together here for the Power Athlete Symposium coming up, but that's going to be long gone once you listen to this. That's going to be epic. No, that, um, uh, you know, the Power Athlete Symposium coming out, I think we are just going to be call it. Break the internet. Break the internet. Yeah, yeah we got you know, some crazy I, shit coming out. I mean, uh, Kim Kardashian tried to break the internet, but I don't think, uh, you know, some chick that looks like an Oompa Loompa with a bunch of plastic surgery is going to break the internet. I think we are going to break the internet with the information that we are going to provide and the experience that's going to happen at the symposium. People are going to be talking for at least the next hundred years how they were at the 2016 Power Athlete Symposium. I think and, so. And, and, and altered reality in life. It's I, amazing. Callie's going to be listening to this and being like, Jesus Christ. But <laughs> as, as all of a sudden, if she's going she through. survives that weekend. That's true. Is, is, I, I, I heard a rumor that the Hens is going to be in town. Yeah, going balls deep. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I mean, she just wants a lot harder than me, bro. <laughs> I, just a, a little tidbit. I got an email from a guy asking what the wad harder than me, bro, means. Is this fucking real? I swear to God, the guy doesn't know. He said, uh, uh, Mr. Wellborn, can you explain to me what wad harder than me means? So this is a young, impressionable guy well, who's just like looking for a mentor, is like on the clean <laughs> path, like, and doesn't know what wad harder me than bro is. Wad harder than me bro is. I don't think so. I mean, he probably doesn't know what the wad is, or maybe he does know what the wad is. Yeah. And he probably doesn't know where we got the wad harder than me bro. Well. But... Maybe I'll have to save that for a talk to me, Johnny. Well, that's enough about us, enough about the nonsense. Remember, people want to get the good info first. We got to talk bullshit Well, I mean, after. don't we have the bullshit for like the first couple no. of minutes just so that people hit, think, the, hit the fast forward button you know, for maybe, at least two minutes? Maybe it's a new generation of listeners. Maybe it's not the whiny listeners that were like, this has nothing to do with lifting weights. Or maybe that's you and we like you well, too. Well, maybe that was in the beginning, but now we've gone off the rails so much that we <laughs> might talk about anything from child development to politics to food to uh, forage agronomy. To uh, Tate Fletcher 
Fletcher. To Tate Fletcher, who... Weird street fighting in the Bronx or whatever. No, he was in a park in Venice doing street fighting with the Dog Brothers. <laughs> and uh, now he's a, a, you know, a movie star. And his mom slept in his car for three hours while we had a podcast. Fair enough. Which, which was totally cool. Speaking of Tate Fletcher, he was a guest. Let's talk about our guest today, Mike Wasilissen, who is Dr. Mike to me. Okay, so I hear all sorts of legendary shit because uh, Mike's out down <laughs> south of us. And this, I don't know how John came across uh, this okay, guy. Whoa, 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 but, whoa, whoa. but before before whoa. we get going, Cali Spine. So if you're going to like multitask, look up CaliSpine.com. And MoveYou.com. But the Cali Spine Instagram account is kind of like, I would say, a really engaging... Yeah. Cairo and Spine Health well, account. We moved to Move You. It's Move You Instagram. Oh, oh, okay. We so, rebranded that. So oh, well, Move You official. Just so okay. So I right, sounds um, good. Now I know. As you guys know, I have a fucked up shoulder from this previous <clears throat> life I had in the NFL, and I've always, or for the last five or six years, have been missing overhead uh, range of motion, and it really fucking bugs me because it hinders my squat, my press, and my bench, and anything that I do. And all of a sudden, as I started doing pull-ups, I started getting this weird kind of uh, shifting feeling, almost like something was torn and was on stable and even though I can do lat pull downs and all these different pulls for some reason overhand pull ups uh, it gives me just this weird sensation it's not like a weakness it's just more like uh, like the it's everything's bone kind on of bone. Well, well fucking fuck you hold on let me get to this shit <laughs> so <laughs> don't steal the thunder yeah, oh I was stealing the thunder taking the air out of me alright 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 so all right. Uh, I'm pretty upset about this and so I literally was on Instagram and I started looking at like you know like uh, just really anything about uh, like um uh, uh, shoulder rehab and we you know we have a crossover symmetry I mean I do all this different shoulder rehab and somehow like in looking at some of that uh, something I must have clicked on something inadvertently because for the recommended uh, you know videos come up in the feed all of a sudden one comes up and it's uh, these guys Cali Spine now known as Move You and I click on it and it just so happened to be Dr. Mike and Andrew going through some shoulder mobility stuff and I could tell that um, not only was he extremely passionate he was a little outside the box thinker but he was also Totally fucking insane. We like that. And, we like and, it. We like and, you're too normal. You're yeah, out. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, for for me especially, I need somebody that is uh, unconventional to say the least. So. I contacted him, shot out and said, hey, I want to come see you guys for a console. Uh, we booked an appointment. I went, I drove down to San Diego, which if anybody knows to drive from Orange County to San Diego can anywhere be from 20 minutes to four hours. So I didn't know. I got down there early and just hung out. Uh, we went through an assessment where uh, Dr. Mike proceeded to do uh, a series of movements on me that I think were banned by the genetic convention. <laughs> Uh, really worked on my shoulder and since then we've just developed a friendship and um, you know been really uh, inspired and and uh, impressed by not only what he's doing but the fact that he's looked at uh, you know really you know made his mission to alleviate back pain in the world and so we really got into that because I mean for us the idea of bracing and trunk and movement and tensile strength is something we talk about so much in weightlifting and training and what we really do so there was a you know nice kind of blending and a good symbiotic relationship between what we're doing and what he's doing so I thought it'd be great to get him on the podcast and let people get to know you a little bit as Dr. Mike. Thanks for the intro. I'm just, I'm just loving your dynamics here. Just yeah. watching you guys go back and forth. I appreciate it. But John, when you walked in, I mean, honestly, I was like, okay, so a guy, we looked you up. Like, he's driving two hours down here. I was like, he's spying on us? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, but, and then, of course, you're freaking huge. And you take every bit of our... Like I said, this is this is one thing. This is I have these overseeing chiropractic board, and there's certain things that we should and shouldn't do, and some things I think I do that I probably 
shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And that involves me literally strapping up your shoulder, having two 220-pound guys moving you. But the truth is, with the human body, it's pretty fucking durable. Mm -hmm. That's what people forget. And that's why when people get injured, when there's injuries, people treat it like it's this fragile, like a delicate flower. And that's what doctors do. But if people are in shape generally, you're it's pretty freaking durable. I literally will almost drop kick people. Yeah, no, and he, he they're did. fine. Mostly. Yeah, no, he, he, was stand, he was standing on the table, and at one point he jumped off the table in like a fucking weird leg drop and like hip dropped me trying to get my shoulder to move. And he was like, oh, did you feel that? And he, knocked the, he like knocked the wind out of me, and all I could do was laugh. I'm like, this guy's fucking retarded. Like, he's an idiot, and I like it. Let's do more. You know, and then as soon as I get done, and the crazy part is he puts me through this, you know, assessment. We get everything. He like works on me, and then it's like uh, he, he, he has a Makita drill. Uh, that he Milwaukee, had, yeah, Makita's. Milwaukee drill. Yeah, you killed those. So he basically got a Milwaukee drill and fabricated almost like a like a steel fist. Yeah, sure. And it's a reciprocating hammer. Yeah. And proceeded to like use the wall to like brace himself and was like <laughs> in my trap for easily thirty minutes. Uh -huh. <laughs> To the point where, like, he's like, oh, um, are you going to be back tomorrow? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, like a week later, dude, I could still... Like, Tenderized. Like, oh, my God. Like, And the, my trap is way better from it. I mean, it was really pretty good. He's like, this will break up everything. Didn't even... Well, you know, we made that thing for... We made it for the quadratus lumborum in the back because to get into that muscle, especially with somebody like you, you gotta go three inches in the back. I don't care how strong of a massage therapist you are. Uh -huh. If you have a three inch pork loin, yeah, is this, sure. how do you expect to get to the bottom layer of that thing? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense. So we literally made a Milwaukee drill with this detachable hammer, especially to get through somebody like John. Yeah. Guys, his trap, I mean, you're talking to get through two inches. That's what we think most things out there are. They're made for a bunch of pussies. These little yeah, vibrating yeah. things. It doesn't do shit. Well, you know, that's funny. Like, similar but different. Like, when Dr. Tom was talking about dosages for vitamins and, like, yeah. in, in uh, like, Advil and shit. He's like, this is for 120-pound women. He's like, you should take 10 times anything tells you to take. And then, like, you know, that's it. But he's then, like, <laughs> but I'll take 10 times to 10 times, you know? So it's like you go then oh. into this treatment. And it's like, it is probably for, like, elderly or, you know. I, I always remember the story. Uh, one of my one of the guys I was friends with years ago. Uh, training guy actually was a professional wrestler mm -hmm. and used to train and hang out with Andre the Giant. Oh, yep, yep. And he used to, uh, Andre the Giant would sit down and he would drink something like, I think it was like barrel 72 beer. beers. Yeah, so I did. Uh, so, no, I mean, he, like, like it was like whatever, like 236 packs. Yeah, and, uh, a, and a, uh, a, a liter. liter. No, like a, a handle. Like of a full, vodka. Of, yeah, like a full fucking, what are those, the big ones? Like mm -hmm. you get 1.5s? Yeah, he would drink one of those and 72 beers. And that was like an average night of drinking for him. Yeah, well, let me know how... I'll tell you how I know this. this. Is in my freshman speech class in college, I gave like the best speech I ever gave on Andre the fucking giant, and I did it right after I got in a brawl with the kid and had two black eyes, and uh, was giving this speech and I wanted to give the speech standing on a chair because Andre the giant was like seven foot four inches tall. So then I fuck you know I did my best impersonation of it, and that was like the most epic feat. And what me and three buddies tried to recreate was one night of Andre the giant drinking, and it ended poorly for. <laughs> everybody like we all woke up in very strange places <laughs> well we'll be in the uh so so the this guy that i knew told me the story and i you know I, I was like yeah like um how often he's like every night yeah every day 
He's like, he drank that every night. And he goes, you have to remember, he goes, when he was holding a 12-ounce beer, you couldn't see it in his hand mm-hmm. because his, like, it was as big as two fingers. And so he would hold them. And so it looked like he was drinking out of, like... A little, like, 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 V8 can. Yeah, he, yeah, and he, it's, like, a little deal. But so I always remember that idea of, like, dose-dependent type things. And then I played with NFL players that took, you know, 40 to 70 Vicodin a day and yeah. were, like, functioning. 40 to set Holy Yeah, shit. no, I mean, I, like, yeah, like, yeah. And then you wonder why you have all these, you know, brain troubles. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But I guess getting back to the treatment, like, yeah, so kind of drastic measures for the drastic human, right? Here's here's what I think's happened, right? I think that this generation is, people have turned into fucking pussies. Oh, I love it. I love it. Bring it up. Let's people stop on this People have turned into generation. fucking pussies. Now, here's what happens. They go into doctors. They're already injured. And then... They'll, they'll be a little sore and pain. They'll, then they'll blame the doctor for causing the problems. Uh-huh. And then what's happened is all these lawsuits happen. So now doctors generally, here's what they do. They have a practice now. It's built on not hurting the person and doing pussy treatment. It doesn't do shit for them, but it doesn't get them sued. Mm-hmm. So now you've got everyone, all this watered down shit that happens out there. And honestly, I refuse to do it. Well, yeah. I refuse well, to go to do, turn into the pussification. It's like my shoulder. Uh, you know, Mike worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and wasn't getting anywhere. And it's like, hey, let's get an MRI. And he forwarded it over to a doctor and the doctor's like well all I would do is a shoulder replacement and my thing is like well my shoulder doesn't hurt I just don't have enough range of motion so why not go in and, and reattach the two torn ligaments clean it all up do everything that you can sew it back up and let me go on my way and at least yeah see how that works and see how that works and the guy and like you know the thing is is that uh, it's easier for them to replace the parts than it is to go in there and like you know be Overall. a fucking magician mm-hmm. which is you know uh, uh, Dr. Stedman the guy that worked <clears> on my <throat> knee was that guy I mean Steady was like you know the um, you know I call him like the Obi one of uh, of orthopedists and you know you have to find somebody like that like you got to find a doctor like Dr Mike or somebody that looks at it like um, you know uh, just being able to go through a series of stretches in your house it might work well for you know an average person when you start talking about big strong athletes that bang weights all day that are you know 225 250 pounds you need somebody that's going to be able to get on there and uh, do some manual manipulations that that gets people I found that that first part. I used to think it was more powerful, the manual manip scar tissue, but I found that for it, probably for the first three, four weeks of intense work, and that seems to be honestly when I peak out. That seems to be my the max effort. And that's where chiropractic gets a bad name because they just keep doing the same shit over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's, it seriously pisses me off. Well, the, uh, you know, and chiropractic constantly has to come up with new tools. I remember um, we had a chiropractor in our gym when I owned Balboa, CrossFit Balboa, and I remember he did a bunch of ART stuff on me and did all this, um, you know, grass and I mean, he did everything actually on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and I walked in and it was able, and I think I snatched 140 that day. And uh, hadn't been able to snatch. I literally walked in, snatched 140. Um, about 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, my shoulder tightened back up. And, like, the next day, my shoulder was back to the same. And I remember thinking, like, if you have to do something that doesn't stay, mm-hmm. then what's the efficacy of what you're doing? Or is it just, you know, just ringing the till? Just ting, ting, ting. Well, I've, I've lost interest for doing that. You know, I, I honestly lost passion for doing Like, I like ART. I like Graston, but it's to me it's still it's still a short term. It buys people a nice window of opportunity. Yeah, the like window, if, right? it gets them a window. Like I can get them motion, but if they don't use that motion within that time frame, it's gone. Kiss mm-hmm. it goodbye. And but sometimes that motion you gain, you may only gain such a small 
fraction of that the next couple of days, you might not even notice it'd be worth well, your time. Well, but also, I mean, we've, um, you know, we've really talked about this for a lot of years and some observations I made is that uh, if you have uh, flexibility with instability, you're, you have injury. And, um, you know, this came from, you know, back when I owned a commercial gym, we ended up, you know, we're, we're getting started and we ended up getting hooked up with these yoga people and they wanted to do some trade. They wanted to come and lift some weights and they wanted to come in and do a little bit of yoga, a little cross promo. I thought it was great. These people were super flexible. They could do all these different poses. They came in and the minute I put them under load, not a single one of them could reach any type of range of motion. Wow. And I started realizing that, you know, to have, you know, a passive versus active range of motion. So if you all of a sudden artificially create somebody extremely and make somebody hypermobile, or you even just make them more mobile and there's instability in a joint or, a, or you know, or they don't, either muscles are turned off, they don't know how to activate them, they're not skilled enough to really use and protect, then all of a sudden you're putting people in an extremely uh, compromising position and there's no wonder people are getting fucked up. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Especially if we get them, and that's the tough thing with CrossFit athletes, right? What I like working with them is because they're very motivated to get back to doing what they're doing. So before you get going, just because for my own sake, what, in terms of athlete, are you talking about like, the competitive level of regional type deal? Or are you talking about guys who are doing kind of local deals or just people in the fitness? I've life? noticed that the CrossFit athletes I work with, whether a regional level, whether they're local, they're very driven to get back into doing. Well, to get back. Yeah, into I mean, they're going. Well, and, It's I mean, just ability that's The reason is, right? is because uh, CrossFit's kind of like being pregnant. You're either doing it or you're not. Yeah. Like, like there's, there's no like in between. So you're either, you know, chasing a PR, you're doing CrossFit or you're not doing CrossFit and you're just, you know, doing whatever you're doing. But I know that the people, they're fucking in or out. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you guys know that people are either like, I got my fucking knee highs and my natural, you know, fucking hand things and I'm ready to go to the gym and wad it every day or people are like, fuck it, I ain't doing it. Hand things? Are you, are you bringing the gloves? What do they call? No. Oh, okay. The fucking like the guards. The I guards. You're like, you know, the hand things. OJ, if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. <laughs> Don't even don't even know what you're talking about. It's like gloves. Who's, nothing. Who's OJ? You don't like it? No. 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 Like, like 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 yeah. The grip Everybody's guards. wearing yeah, those grip fucking guards. grip things. They're like natural grips or something. That's like the new deal. That's like the new knee highs. <laughs> okay. Nanos are the new Birkenstocks with socks. If I'm well, correct. we should have got those. That's, that's, that's we, we should have bundled those natural hand things next year. <laughs> Whatever. Back into it. Sorry to cut you off. So you got these CrossFit guys who are who are training. They're dedicated. Uh, they, Regardless of skill level, they're taking the training as seriously as maybe the other guy. But go on. Sorry to cut you off. Well, I mean, th- this is what I found generally. About, and this is the big thing I hear. I mean, I defend CrossFit. I defend it daily. Yeah. You go, oh, you must get great business for them. And, you know, CrossFit. Who do you defend CrossFit to? Like, like- Doctors, friends. Other gym owners that are non-CrossFit, you know yoga what? instructors. So everybody hates the CrossFit. Yeah, sure. That's why I love. That's why I love CrossFit though, because all the darts are in the back. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think CrossFit is bad, but generally people walk into CrossFit with dysfunctional movement patterns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They walk into there not knowing how to use their core, not knowing how to use your shoulder blade. And you know what? They probably were destined to be injured in five years from reaching drinking beer and reaching the cupboard. But that that intense workout. You m- multiply those reps across a two-month time, they yeah, just accelerated accelerate. 10 years and injured it in two months. Shouldn't the idea be to put them into a training system that allows them to understand and like foster better movements? No, that's the you coach's, be, but that's oh, a coach's God, responsibility. A oh, wait, that's pa- oh, I'm sorry. That's power athlete. You have oh, to understand I'm, movement I'm, first. Well, that's I'm, I'm sorry. That's the mission of power athlete, the ability to seamlessly and effortlessly combine primal movement patterns through space to accomplish a known and novel task. So what you just heard there, folks, was not just a definition of athleticism, but we we are 15 minutes in, and Tex just put his first words in. Everybody. <laughs> I'm not a talker. <laughs> but, you know, this is, I think it comes down to, 
<laughs> short term. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm uh, listening. <laughs> I think it comes to short term and long term thinking, right? You're getting CrossFit, people want to go in there. There's short term blinders straight up in front of them. I want to work out, I want to get strong. Really, the long term thought process is if you really are in it for the long game, guys, if you want to work out 10, 15 years to live a life, yeah. you got to learn how to move your body. Yeah. You got to learn. There's, we call it six parts that have to work. You have to know how to move your pelvis, how to brace your core, how to move your shoulder blades, activate your glutes, and. Hip hinge. Yeah. We break it down to there and then we combine them. But people just jump in because they want to work out. Mm-hmm. And it's just a short-term mindset. Yeah. And it was... Uh, and it, but here's the thing too is like it works too. So there's a... I mean that's what... My first six months doing CrossFit back in 2005, 6, 7, whatever it was. Like shredded out. Sure. Unbelievable. It does work. Like I that's got right. in great shape. Yeah. But yeah. You, like I didn't know back then. And this is where people fall into is they just like don't know what they don't know. Right. You get great short-term results. But you can get good results too short-term. With a long-term vision, that's you know, right. and I think that's what people yeah, also but, forget. Uh, but I mean, um, you know, do people really get into, you know, uh, like when I look at CrossFit, like there's, n- and this is something that I used to, as having owned a gym yeah, for a number sure. of years, I always ask people, all right, tell me what the short game is. Talk to me about the long game. Not a single person ever had a long game. It yeah. was always like, uh, I got 30 days to get in shape for this wedding. I want to do this. And it was always these short-term goals. And mm-hmm. I remember telling them, like, my goal for you is for you to be a client for the next five or 10 years of your life. What's the long game? And not a single person actually thought about the long game other than like... Yeah, a few, the handful uh, yeah, that like, we always like talk a, about. Yeah, a handful of people that were, you know, the Rogers and different Yeah, people. the bon- Bonwell, Roger, yeah. those guys. And like um, like Josh Bonwell was one of my original clients. Uh, I remember one time we had a, a rash of people cutting reps and cheating and then putting their names on the board. And it became like a fucking epidemic at the gym. So I started counting everybody's reps. I was like just silently just counting reps. And <laughs> you're, I, you're, you're, oh, yeah, okay. right. I was like, okay, if everybody's calling this person a cheater, I'm going to fucking verify. So we put them in the workouts and I'm there fucking counting reps. Like didn't tell them. And, you know, they're the one girl that they had been accused of cheating, like 2159 would do like 12, 6, 5. And the thing I laughed is that she... Looked like chew bubblegum. Well, yeah, she looked like chew <laughs> bubblegum. But, you know, when I finally confronted her, she's like, well, I lose count. I'm like, well, if you would lose count at some point, you might do one more than you probably... Should have. You've never done one more. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, you know, she was a fucking terrible liar. Um, but I noticed that Josh Bonwell uh, always did extra reps. And finally, I was like, dude, the workout was 2159. You do like 23, you know, and I went through the whole deal. He did like 20 extra reps. He's like, I lose count. Well, he goes, I lose count. And uh, <laughs> no, actually, he told me, he goes, yeah, I do extra reps because uh, it looks like I'm stealing from you. I'm here. I might as well get extra. I'm, I'm getting more reps than these people, so I'm stealing reps awesome. for you. The other person was my wife, who is such a bad counter, but yet she's so honest that if she forgot where she was, she would just start over at zero, <laughs> which is why I love her. She's great. I mean, in that respect, and I remember being yeah. like, really? She's like, well, yeah. I'm like, huh. Wow, that's really pretty honest of you. It's unbelievable. But case in point, uh, those guys, you know, those people had this idea of like, I have a long game. You know, I might not be able to do it today, but a year from now, I want to be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people run into and where really coaches kind of struggle a little bit is they're so focused on, you know, month to month, month to month. You know, how am I going to get this person better this month? And almost if I could go back and run a gym, I'd make people pay a year in advance for commitments. I say it's a year in advance. You're here for a year. Uh, if you want to quit, um, I'm going to keep your spot open. I'd, and really to- I'd be totally game yeah. with that. Like that's that to me. You don't get everybody. That to me, perfect. And, and, and then you would get you would only get the people, and they would have to have a, a long term, short term goal that they could establish that day. And at that point, they'd stood outside with no encouragement, no food, in the rain for three days, and waited patiently with no sleep. Then I would let them. Too old, the fat man. Tits are too big. <laughs> <laughs> You're too blonde. Don't you get the same people for rehab? Just fix me. Give me physio tape. Well, oh, it's the same shit. 
It's the same shit. And you know, one of my favorite authors, Robert Greene. I don't know if you guys yes. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Are you kidding me? Love Robert Greene. And yeah. here's what people... 48 Laws of Power. Dude, dude, shit, dude. one of the main laws of power, and it's and it's a law of success, is plan all the way to the end. Yeah. So if you take these... If the people I've noticed that plan to the end, those are the success-minded people in life in general. Mm-hmm. And if you guys are planning short-term, if you do move to a long-term mindset, I believe that you are developing a lifetime success principle as well because that translates. And it was in the book. They talked about the Greek gods view humans as these, as these objects of bouncing emergency to emergency where the Greek gods could see all the way to the end and when you can plan to the end you see the obstacles that get in your path Sure. and that's what I love about the long term thinking uh, well, and that's what we have to break down that barrier with but also in my if, office. if you play the long game uh, when something happens it's not an insurmountable uh, you know like impasse yes. it's just a small bump so like you know like if I can see a hundred miles like you know you're you know you might see a few bumps but you're not going to see big things when I plan for ten feet I get to see these how the hell am I going to get around yeah. this so I, I always remembered, um, you know, and we, we did this in football, and I, I know Andy talked about, uh, you know, Andy Snump talked about the domino thing. Let me just get to these little points. But, I mean, you had to look at it, like, in, in the training and everything, especially going into NFL season. Like, I got to be in shape for not just October, but I need to be in shape for January and February to potentially be, in, you know, be ready for a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. I have to look at this thing as the long game. I got to design my training and start doing the little things now so that I'm prepared in the future. Well, and that's that's part of the point of the Be the Hammer po- book, yeah. right? It's just like people are looking micro. Yeah. It's the long, long play. Well, how does this fit into a four-year cycle for a high school athlete or, you know, whatever it may be? Well, when we dropped CrossFit football and transferred transfer over to Johnny Wad, the idea was that there was all of these different high school football different football really just field ball sport athletes that were following cross at football and it wasn't the ideal platform for them to be using something like grindstone or field strong were much better but how did we force them into it so you know what we took johnny wad we turned it into this you know let's get sexy uh training system and trying to get these guys over here and we started getting hit with a ton of off-season in-season questions and so as you guys probably know or might not know we have a in-season training manual called be the hammer where i went back and not only talked about what i did and this was the training program i followed over the course of my nfl career and the one that you know i figured out within my first and second year and went on and then also uh, pre-game, post-game, recovery, contrast baths, what to eat, all the other little things that take a lot of the guesswork out because uh, these are things people, nobody ever talks about and nobody ever coaches or offers information. But as I've sat down to write this, I figured, shit, man, this is the things that I would talk to, you know, my son or, or my buddies or really anybody that asked mm-hmm. me these questions. And so I, I, I'm really excited about having that book out there. So, and if like people are confused about the title, you know, one thing that we've said is like in football, you're either the hammer or the nail every play be the fucking it's really hammer, life you know I mean, <laughs> yeah and it, you know yeah. well I, I i mean when i came in the nfl i remember one of the older guys told me he said hey you want to survive in this game you got to look at every single play as you're either the hammer or the nail and as long as you're the hammer more than the nail you will survive this game mm-hmm. and so when i came out like and i i remember when we were on the podcast with tony blower i was always a mike tyson fan and if you watch tyson come out tyson was the hammer yeah early and hurt people so like i took that same deal i'm gonna go suicide pace i'm gonna hammer and try to hurt people early so that i can fucking taper off towards the end of the game and for 90% of it, it worked, but wow. for the 10%, it didn't. Wow. And so I was in for a heavyweight fight. You wadded hard. Oh, yeah, I totally wadded but hard. But can you wad harder than me, bro? Well, I just wadded <laughs> all over them. <laughs> 
dropping wads left and right. Dude, <laughs> you have no idea. Reel it back in, Dr. Mike. So tell us about, uh, you're working with these guys. They have these six fundamental skills that you evaluate. Like, what's the what's the assessment process? Uh, how do you convince them that of, a, of the long game? All this good stuff. Well, you know, let, let's back up for a second sure. here about the... About the emergency mindset too. Oh, I thought we were going wadding all over the place. Oh, we. I think we are. I think we are now. Actually, I'm wadding backwards. <laughs> but we. But what happens is 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 when people get injured and they come into our and come into the office is is it's emergency mindset mode and that that's what gets people in trouble because here's when they have pain. If you're emergency mindset, I want out of pain. And here's what that means: pills, shots, surgeries, some some kind of quick fix. Brace. Stop, stop training. Stop training. Yep. Yeah, it's quick fix stuff. So when they come to the office, the first thing we do is we got to explain to them that that injuries are not a disease, but it's a cause and it's cause and effect. Yeah, and that's okay. what it is. Reminds me of uh, we had a girl train at our gym named Nicole Zapoli. Oh, Nicole. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Nicole trained at our gym and she hurt her back front squatting and went into our chiropractor, told her to not train, just walk and rest. And she ended up quitting our gym and leaving, which was very upsetting for my trainers because I know they were all like taking, uh, you know, numbers to try to date her. And surprisingly, I ended up leaving, going to San Diego. And the hilarious part is I remember I went into the PT or our chiro guy and I was like, what the fuck you told her to stop training for? We just lost a member. He's like, well, my job is to manage pain. She's in pain. So if she stops training, she's fucking out of pain. And I was like, amazing. You know what's painful? You. Get the fuck out. For listeners, there's no evidence that supports that whatsoever about stopping. Within three days of an actually acute injury, yes. If an injury comes out of nowhere and it's but, chronic, there's but, absolutely zero evidence that supports stopping moving. We, yeah. we used to have one of our trainers, is pretty funny, if guys got hurt, uh, they'd be like, hey, well, isn't there something you can do, brace or tape? He'd be like, yeah, no problem. And he would go over and he would tape an aspirin on them. And just pat him and be like, get the fuck out. And like, you know, and that's his deal is like, there's really nothing I can do. And like, you know, that was a big deal in the NFL, you know, like, can you do your job? Are you too hurt to do your job or, or can you continue to do your job? And you're like, you know, frankly, I can do my job and it hurts. And it's like, man, the fuck up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but then when you get into um, a situation like people are paying you, you want to cross the gym, you're in Newport Beach, which is by far the most entitled place on the universe. Um, you know, everybody believes himself to be a unique special snowflake. Mm. And the pain that I'm having is so intense that I, you know, this has got to be something wrong. Like um, on the on the blog today, a guy hit me up and said, uh, um, I'm really tired. I think I'm overtrained. What should I do? I was like, keep pushing. But isn't that bad? No. Stop reading the internet, dude. Right. Like, you, like if you're fucking training hard enough to overtrain, you're scratching the surface of what I need from you. When all of a sudden you are crying emotionally, you can't sleep, you shit yourself, and you're pretty much uh, an emotional mess, then take a day off. If, mm-hmm. if you're not having any of those, then fucking keep pushing. And people have this idea that, like, why, why why would they ever think that strength doesn't come with struggle? Why would they ever think that they could go in and do something that's as dynamic, ballistic, and, you know, banging weights and do all these different movements outside of the realm of which they've trained before and think that injury, pain, and some form of discomfort wouldn't come with that. I mean, that's success mindset in general, right? Yeah. Is, is people want to, a lot of people that, that don't have that mindset will take that, they, they don't, they're never, we're not taught in school that success comes with hard work. It's, you know, people think that... Aren't we, though? I mean, uh, People are trained this magic, right? These magical lottery, the magical this, but that grind, that's what develops but, you as a character. But, but I mean, like, aren't we taught in school that, like, don't you have to show up and do the body of work and then somehow you do the body of work and then, like, that allows you to somehow reap the benefits? You get a good job. But, I don't I mean, know, I mean, even if you work works? hard, I don't know. I don't remember. I was... I drank a lot in college. <laughs> I just got A's. It was easy. 
Really? No. <laughs> well, that's a story I'm going to tell. Well, but I mean, like, I, you know, I, um, I think what's, well, at least for me, and like, you know, like we say, we fall, we fail at the margins of our experience, so I always have to look through everything in my own looking glass, but, um, I don't think I learned anything about hard work in terms of school or whatnot. I actually learned it as an example from my parents. Hmm. So my dad's a lawyer, and uh, I remember as a kid, like, being woken up at, like, 3 a.m. and uh, from the sound of the typewriter. And it was my dad out there working, doing his, you know, uh, prepping for the next day in, um, uh, in trial, but also doing his billing. And I remember my dad would, like, you know, fall asleep in the chair at, like, 9 or 10 and, like, sleep for a little bit, and we'd go to bed, and then I would hear him up. And at 2, 3, 4 in the morning, uh, all the way up, I mean, I hear him banging on the typewriter, and I remember as a little kid like hearing it I remember asking mom I'm like what's dad doing she's like he's working and I was like all night she's like yeah that's what you have to do to be successful and I was I, never taught that and, and I remember like you know uh, my dad would work all night still 6am knock on the on the window let's go let's go like get up we gotta do this and um, and I remember always waking up and like hearing that or you know and I, I've told you guys the story numerous times in college we would uh, practice and like late and whatever you know get home late and I was always tired eat dinner so I'd go to bed and then my dad would call me at like 3.34 in the morning to wake me up to study because he knew I wasn't going to study the night before so he'd literally call on the phone and be like what are you doing I'm like I'm sleeping he's like oh, I'm going to talk to you until you get up and uh, start sitting and like that was um, like that's almost that example of hard work and I think we're, we're you know and we talk about kids today or whatnot I don't I think that people don't have that same work ethic and so all of a sudden they're kids who are just you know dude it's, it's, it's amazing having kids because they literally watch you and then they mimic everything you do uh, to the point where it's scary. Like I, I've told you guys the story. I was driving and uh, we got cut off, and like I'm always like fuck. And all of a sudden we got cut off, and I was like whoa. And I looked back in the rearview mirror, and my daughter went like this. She went like ah fuck. <laughs> and I remember my wife looked right at me, and I was like, so look what you've done. Yeah. I mean, and like that type of thing. Like people learn from example, and more importantly, people that want to you know provide an example have to lead from the front. And I think that's what we really struggle with is that um, you know people aren't willing to put themselves out there and such a way that you know makes them the example and um you know i've been really working on this talk for a symposium about uh um social responsibility and be the change you want to see and if you want to see change then you have to implement the change and drag people with you because if you're waiting for somebody else to do it it's not going to fucking happen um you know and uh you know uh, dr mike hit me up and you know a couple weeks ago and said hey you know i want to come hang out on a sunday so he literally drove up and hung out at the house and we like worked you know looked at all this stuff and really helped him develop what he was doing and i was like what do you want to do like give me one fucking thing because he is as you know he's kind of scatterbrained like we all are but he had like a hundred things that he wanted to attack and i was like you are uh, biting off you you do what we do yeah. which is hilarious because hearing somebody I'm like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. don't go crazy yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're trying to do too much and I was like dude just tell me what to do and he, he said you know what I want to solve back pain in this world and I was like fuck yes yeah, if you could be if you could be the back pain fucking guy the guy <laughs> who like that's came from that's what I told him like be the back pain guy the back pain guys and I put an S at the end yeah. for Andrew yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the back be, pain yeah. guys and, and you know what and he was like dude I was like if that to me is noble if you want to run head on at 100 miles an hour and destroy back pain for everybody in America mm-hmm. and that's your contribution that is something worth fighting for trying to alleviate pain and help people move is- better and all this is fucking played out you know why because everybody and their mother's doing it we've had and they do it and they do it a hundred different ways and the consumer and brainless that's what pain relief is like handing out money to toll booth yeah. If, if people do the same shit you can just you can be an autopilot but you can do the same exact thing but why are people so scared of pain 
It's, it, I mean, this is something that really kind of blew me away in the NFL. Um, I was going to ask you about the work ethic in NFL. Because I, I look at the NFL and I'm like, these must be the top 1% of people with the strongest work ethic to get there and stay there. Do no. you find that to be true? No. No. Some guys, no. though, so, don't you think? So so there's a weird, there's a really, there's an interesting class system in the NFL. And I divide it into like two parts. There were the dudes that were like here that basically built them. Well, actually, there's three categories. There's guys that were here and they built themselves up into who they were. There were other guys guys that the only way they weren't getting to the NFL is if they got killed or they went to jail. Like literally, like wow. if they were born, if unless they were behind bars or dead, they were going to play in the NFL because that's how gifted they are. And then there's this other weird, like even tinier, small percentage of guys that were here, had all the genetic gifts, developed the work ethic, and then somehow everything came together. And those are the guys you know as the best players in the NFL. I mean, those are the guys like you hear like the um, mm-hmm. the Jerry Rices or the J.J. Watts or um, – you know the uh, the Peyton Mannings and these guys that had such incredible talent and work ethic and everywhere. Where even if they didn't have that work ethic, they still would have played in the NFL and been good players. Right. But now all of a sudden, they were the type of people that a hundred years from now they're still going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I was a guy who had a lot of gifts and I was here, but like I built myself into the player I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I played with you know I, I played with a guy Brian Waters who didn't lift weights for six months and came in and benched you know five hundred twenty five pounds for a set of six in like four seconds, and he was like. Yeah, I've been sitting on the couch eating. I'm like, yeah, you're fatter than shit. Uh, but uh, dude, God damn, you're strong. Yeah, fucking strong, <laughs> fast. I mean, and uh, um, uh, you know, but that's raw talent. It doesn't yeah, mean yeah, work ethic. Total, total a hole. Yeah. And uh, fuck him. Uh, but like, you know, had <laughs> a lot of problems right? there. Yeah, but I mean, like, you know, Willie Rofe and some of these guys that were so fuck like, like the, you know, and then you run into a guy like Tony Gonzalez, who is so physically gifted, has uh, uh, you know such amazing talent, and also has such amazing work ethic that all of a sudden now the guy plays 17 years and is the best tight end to ever play in the game. Rightly so. That dude earned everything he's ever had. Awesome. And busted his ass. So. Um, you know, would I say that the majority of the NFL it falls within those three? Yes, that uh, the guys that fall, you know, that that rare crossover is is the guys that will you know play in the Hall of Fame and the best you'll ever know. Uh, there's a whole bunch of guys that uh, you know thought they had the ability and didn't have to work that you'll never hear anything about that, you know, we showed up and we always have a joke that those guys basically showed up for a cup of coffee and got the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the thing with the NFL too is uh, when they talk about the, the the average career being about three years, is totally deceiving because in the NFL, either you play 10 years or you play one day. There's no, I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's obviously other people in there. If you can play, you play for a long time. If you can't, you get the fuck out of there because that's what it is. Wow. And um, and a big thing is a lot of guys might have work ethic and they might have all these physical talents, but if you cannot deal with pain and you are not good with like dealing with pain and injury and just fucking suffering, you're not going to like the job or you're going to fall into a uh, bottle of pain pills, which is what happens to a lot of guys. We had, uh, we had Adam Nelson, Olympic gold medalist on, and he explained the difference between hopefuls and faithfuls. So track and field, there's a shot putter, and he explained the foot, hopefuls had all the athletic talent in the world, but they're always looking for an excuse to why they weren't, you know, gold, silver, or bronze. And he talked about the faithful, and he's like, no doubt. Just believed. They just believed. Yeah. So, I mean, that that to me, I mean, the one thing which was, uh, I, you know, and like, uh, like, like I said, I constantly always look back on like, you know, different things that happened or, you know, different people and you constantly uh, doing this analysis, like looking through this looking glass. And I remember when I retired, one of the guys um, had just retired too. And I remember he hit me up and he was like, how's everything going? Oh my God, it's great, man. We, you know, training's going good. Everything's doing fine. He's like, well, did you really struggle to get off the painkillers? 
I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, I didn't take any painkillers. And he was like, really? You didn't? I was like, no. Nah, I mean, maybe if they like gave them to me and we were going to go out drinking, I might have one. I wasn't going to waste them on fucking pain. You know, it's good. <laughs> like, let's go out and have a painkiller and get fucked up. Um, drink responsibly. Yeah, not going to waste yeah, them on pain pills. Pain. Right? But, uh, but, but he was like, dude, I was literally chewing like, you know, anywhere from like, you know, 12 to 14 to 25 of these painkillers a day. You know, I just couldn't deal with the pain. And he asked me, he's like, well, what about the pain? I'm like, the pain was a receipt for the fucking hard work and the money I earned. Mm-hmm. But Without the pain, like there is no suffering, and like I fucking held on to that shit. It felt good, and uh, that was completely foreign to him. Like he couldn't, he, he couldn't grasp it. And I, I related back. To, I don't know if you guys remember. There's a movie called The Ghosts in the Darkness. Remember about uh, with, with yeah with the lions. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the uh, there was an English kid and his, like they had been like moving all those like thick brush and the kid's hands were all torn up and he asked him. He like looked and he was like he uh, he's like the pain is good. It, you know, it, it, it's a receipt for the hard work. Like like I know my hands are torn up, but we did something good here today, and like this is how I know we did it. Mm-hmm. And, like, to me, like, that was always, like, fuck, yeah, I, I should be in pain. Like, I played the game as hard as I could. If I can't make fists with my hands because I used my hands as fucking battering rams for three hours, then you know what? Then I laid as many blows as I needed to. And uh, I thought you were going to go Dalton on us in Roadhouse, just go with, like, pain don't hurt. No, Swayze. It, it fucking did, but I'll tell you this. <laughs> pain is one of those strange things that makes you fucking hyper-focused. Yeah. Like, if you ever want to know hyper-focus, like, stub your toe or have to drop something on your foot, all of a sudden, every pain sensor lights up, and you become hyper-focused. Like, uh, you know, but then you have guys like Romanowski, who would try to go out and literally give himself a concussion on the first play, because he played so many games concussed, that unless he gave himself a concussion, he couldn't get into that automatic state to play huh. the football game. State wow. dependent. Yeah. Right? I've like, never heard that before. Dude, and Romo is fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's, you know, they're going to cut his brain open, and it's going to look fucking bad there. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so do, you, do you think the... Because for me, my educational experience was mostly find a way to be as successful with the least amount of work. And my work ethic came through sport, I think. Um I think my folks were hard learners, but I don't ever remember looking up being like, oh, dad's grinding, I'm going to grind. But I would consider myself a grinder, and it always came out to just that's how I that's how I was better than the other guy on game day. So I guess with that said, being that work ethic is this big deficiency now in, in a generational sure. gap that we're, we, we are at least identifying. And, you know, through some of the interns that we meet and people we meet on the road and shit, like work ethic is hard thing to kind of – come across with that intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Is it, like, where, who's, is it the school's responsibility to even fucking do that? No, 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 dude. And, and I got into this argument yesterday with, with fucking Kyle Turley. Um, we were discussing the role of, because he, he, he's a big Trump supporter and he thinks Trump's going to do all these things. And I told him, I said, dude, I think Trump uh, played you guys fucking perfectly. He was able to put a platform together that allowed him to mobilize the silent majority and get a lot of people to vote for him. But I don't believe that platform is going to be anything representative of what he does over four years. I think he fucking duped you guys. Mm-hmm. And I said it from fucking day one. And so Turley But that's I, everyone. But, but Turley and I were arguing and he was like, no, no, no. Um, you know, he's going to do this. He's going to do this. And I was like, why do people look to a president and the government to fucking do the job of the family. Like, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton, it takes a village, right? You know, like the job of the, the state is to educate the child. I don't want this. St- I, I do not want the government or the state to define the education that my child gets. I don't want the state or the government to define what health care I get. I sure as hell don't want them to define my rights. Um, and that's why, you know, we vote libertarian is because I don't view the people half a world away in uh, Washington, D.C. that don't have the 
the same value system or understanding or personal experience that I do, basically deciding what is right and wrong for my child. Mm -hmm. And so Common Core and all those things, and we got into a talk about that. You're like, I think the Common Core has failed because this world is so different that the skills that you need to be successful today are not being taught in school. Well, I don't. Were they ever taught in school though? That's the thing though. Well, well, I mean, so, 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 like, um, when I was at Berkeley and I was getting ready to go to law school before I got drafted, I remember uh, as a as a young, you know, freshman, and I remember uh, the the old man whose scholarship I was going for was former dean of the law school guy, Adrian Cragen. And I remember going and meeting with him, and he was kind of like my, you know, angel advisor. I would just go hang out and rap with him and talk about, you know, hey, what do you think of this and this? And, um, you know, the dude was in his 80s and was like, had been a law contemporary of the guy who mentored my father. So he knew Kent Redwine, and it was a really rich experience for me. But I asked him, I was like, you know, shouldn't I be doing something pre-law? And he, I remember he looked at me like through the corner of his eyes, and he's like, no. To be a good lawyer, you have to read and write to the best of your yeah. ability. I want you to find a major, and he was like, I want you to be a rhetoric major because I want you to read and write to the best of your ability so that you can use that. If you have that skill, it doesn't matter what you want to do. Mm-hmm. It just so happens it'll help you for law. All these people that are doing pre-law or they're doing uh, uh, you know, criminal stuff, bullshit, worthless. To get through law school and be a good lawyer, you got to be able to read and write. That's mm-hmm. it. And critical thinking. You need something that involves critical thinking. How do you develop critical thinking? Reading and writing yeah. and arguing with other people yeah. that are yeah. reading and writing. See, text, right? argue. Right? So That's why I'm always arguing. Right? Like, but, you know, critically think. Right? Yeah, I, I but, agree. But, but that's what, I mean, <laughs> with something like, I mean, and to pull it back, I mean, while, while I really, uh, you know, whenever I talk to people about, you know, uh, what they're doing in their system and really why I was, you know, really uh, excited, um, you know, to hang out with Dr. Mike is uh, he had a, a very clear defined idea of what he needed he just needed somebody to like point him in a direction and like as we sat down after about four hours he's like I know what I want to do and I'm like well how do we do it give me the road plan and he laid it out and was like this is how I want to educate people I don't want to do them for him I want to not give them a fish I want to teach them to fish because right? they'll eat for a lifetime so can I, I tell you these... my frustration about this whole thing let's no, fucking no. do it can I tell you my frustration it is exactly that work ethic because the do- doctors PTs Kairos medical they There's all one. fail they want to give you a fish they're trying to give you a quick fix and nobody's teaching people that if your back is fucked up chronically guys you have been fucking up for at least five to ten years uh-huh. and you must find out where that fuck up is whether you're you can't do these certain movements you're not moving enough or you're, you're misusing or abusing your body that's the only way there's no shortcuts to great movement yeah. it doesn't exist so that is that is my frustration about educating the world about this I mean yeah we have the process to do it that's part of it but it's really to get people out of this quick fix mentality which is exactly what you're talking about about the schools where the fuck is it coming from and honestly as a leader I think I know everyone's looking for someone else to like Trump I'm a Trump fan I'm like it, can he hold through? I don't know. He's wrote down. I'm, I I wrote. I read what he wrote on his website. I'm reading it all. But somebody, a leader like that, I think can be the lighthouse and inspire millions of people. I hope he does. I, I hope he does too. I, I, He's worked for it though, I right? Hope, He's worked for I, it. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I, I, you know what? Like, even though my wife doesn't agree with this, dude, I really hope I'm wrong because she's a guy you can never admit. It. I'm like, I fucking totally admit what I'm wrong. It's not wrong that often. Uh, but what I really hope is, I hope he is the leader that 
that we need because um, he's created. I mean, but uh, what's ironic is that I don't think anybody, any leader has been more decisive than Obama in a lot of ways uh, to, you know, not really uh, do anything to kind of repair a lot of, uh, you know, social and racial fucking problems in this country. And I think, you you know, with Trump coming in, I always said, dude, I wish this guy ran on a more moderate a platform, but unfortunately, if he had, he would have never been able to mobilize that silent majority and come out and say the things that he did. That's what we said on sixty minutes. They were worried about his. What about your, you know, your your approach is intense, and, and he said that's the reason why I'm here to begin with. Is, yeah. that, is that approach? Well, I mean, the the mere fact that he acts like a four year old child on Twitter. I mean, I follow him on Twitter, and I think I, I read this shit, and I think like this is the least presidential motherfucker I've ever been around. But here's the thing. But, that's- but you know what? This is my perception. Of like what I think the president should uh-huh. be, and unfortunately, it's the changed, world yeah. in which I'm living in, I'm looking for a transporter on how to get back to 1960s, 1970s, what if this is where it? we can wear fucking bell bottoms and uh, I can fucking roller skate and take my kids to the fucking <laughs> park in my uh, you know 69 Camaro I bought brand new off the lot. But unfortunately, <laughs> Trump is probably the leader that the people need at this point for the fact that like look at, I mean, we are the fucking reality TV generation. Right, break down the pussification of America. Well, but, but I mean, okay. So, so I, as I'm driving in to work today, what do I got to hear about? I got to hear how Kanye West has had a nervous breakdown. What? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Amazing. Wait a minute. <laughs> he's overworked. So what? Wait, 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 wait. Put his tour off. Yeah. Well, there goes our fucking right, weekend. Right, right. So, so Kanye, and the reason being is that uh, Kim has been the glue that's held him together, and she. Which one's Kim? Uh, Kardashian, his wife. I don't know. Uh, yeah, she isn't able to go out and be his glue because she got robbed in Paris and Just is stop. now an agoraphobe. Okay, I understand. And doesn't want to leave. <laughs> Just and, uh, and, and, and I'm like listening to this, and I'm fucking driving, and all I want to do find is find that station. It was, it was literally. I was listening to like uh, yeah, stations uh, one, two, and three on John's fucking. It's, the Kardashian updates. <laughs> no, it was on, uh, it was on uh, Carson Daly, which I was listening. I was just fucking listening to it, driving in, and he like are going through it, and all I wanted to do was like fight the urge, and I would have done it had I not had you not been here to just fucking go left into traffic, <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like. First of all, like the fact that like the two most dysfunctional people on the planet, you know, are like you know driving up the airways with you know Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. Who Kim Kardashian is only famous because she get fucking got boned on a sex tape, and like that's a good tape. Uh, was it? No, I don't. I didn't watch. it. I think it was. I mean, but like. That's that's the issue we're running into. That like you know, if that's what's uh, is drawing people's attention, and that's what has to be loud enough to somehow fucking be cool and popular, then you know what? Then Trump is the leader that we've we've effectively found the leader that that uh, catches our attention because we're so. I guess you could say uh, fucking desensitized to anything. Well, you know, mean, there, there's a um, there's a there's an analogy I really liked, and it was, and it's a transition I've done too. And it, it, there's types of leaders. There's like a local business, like I like my one business is it's like a, a tugboat. So you're injured, I have got to grab you and pull you in. Yeah. Well, then there's the lighthouse, right? That thing that sh- that 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 shining light that draws millions in. So we use a different analogy. We call them castles and pirate ships. So you have a castle which is fixed location in your brick and mortar. And then your online stuff is your pirate ship. Correct. Because you can do it and it can sail and do anywhere and it can basically And do I can anything. hit millions of people and help yeah. teach them about moving the body. Like for example, I injured my, I, I trained jiu-jitsu and I fell on my shoulder and separated my shoulder four months ago, right? Six months ago. And I pushed through pain and I kept re-injuring it. But there's a point where you get frustrated and then 
I looked at my body and I'm like, I'm not doing well physically. So I had to thinking long term, I want to train jujitsu and be active. I had I stopped jujitsu for three months and now I've been recovering. But I'll tell you guys, that recovery process is me. I've been working my ass off for probably six days a week average on all my movements and strength for two months and I'm only 50% there. That's what it takes to recover. And this is a simple AC joint injury. This isn't even that big of a deal. So that work ethic with, with when you're injured, and that's something else we're going to get into is like, when can you push through pain and when not to push through pain? How do we know? When someone's coming in our office being like, they're complaining of pain and they're just kind of being a pussy. Versus when somebody really is asking for something long. And that comes down to the movement patterns that we talk about. If we can find shoulder pain, and if we can find their scapula control is their shoulder blade control, it can't go in, it can't go up and down like it should, and it matches their pain, we go, okay, we probably have a real problem here that uh-huh. needs addressed. Now, now we gotta go out and we gotta reprogram. We probably we have to reprogram. But if, if their shoulder blade motion's fine and they don't hit there's certain injuries that are very common. Hip impingement, right in the hip joint, right in that impingement I'm poking John at right there those are common and we should <laughs> no, that find hurt really bad. that hurt really bad and those those certain pain points SI joint issue which is down in the low back if we find that pinpoint we go okay that's a common problem and it usually comes with this dysfunctional movement if A plus B matches then we attack that mm-hmm. but that when it doesn't match that's when we're like you know what you probably just uh, you're probably you're alright yeah you're, you're, good. you're good to go I'm gonna tape an aspirin on you I'm gonna tape an aspirin on you next but time that, I do that to somebody be like hold on I'm gonna fix you right now like put an aspirin <laughs> and just tape it on and be like it works really good with kinesio tape because that's fucking bullshit <laughs> right I know oh my god it's another quick fix I, I still use K-tape as a tool sometimes but guys that k- kinesio tape short term yeah. it's a short term you're not going to tape yourself every day because when you do tape yourself you're pulling yourself here you're not using your muscles to do but it anyways but you look fucking awesome at a crossfit throwdown with guys, pictures okay. just covered in it like fucking I'm such a warrior this is my battle armor but you're an athlete and you're talking about getting injured doing your sport right and then so. taking that long-term approach hey. to it so you can empathize with all of your clients. 100%. You want a doctor, you want somebody that injures himself because I love jiu-jitsu and I have social pressure to keep going. They go train easy, train light. I have social pressure to keep coming. People telling me, I say, I got to take three months off. No, just let's go easy. So I have to now look, step back and go, my future, I know my body. This injury has re-exacerbated five times over the last three months. And now I can't work out. I can't do my bend. I can't do my push-up. I can't do handstand push-ups. I can't do anything that... Those movements, I need to train that way to train jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is not a form of exercise in and of itself because it's a, it's a hor- it's horrible for your posture. So now I can't do my training movements that allowed me to be in jiu-jitsu. Now I'm just doing jiu-jitsu and hurting myself worse. Cut the tape right now. Yeah. Tell everybody, announce... Guys, it's going to take me three months. I'll be back January 1st. Mark my fucking word. But then I've got to commit to the recovery process. But in order to commit to the recovery process, you have to understand how your body works to do it. <laughs> and that oftentimes is not going to come from six weeks of PT or getting adjusted, blah, blah, blah. That stuff may give you a boost, but you must understand how your body works. And that with the shoulder, it comes down to the shoulder blade and knowing self-mobility. And guys, for listeners to, with yeah, low... How to keep the scapula flat. I mean, like, we've been running to a lot of people that are right? fucking winging their scapulas. Most of them. And I'm like, I'm like, why are you, like, you know, like, are you dropping and you're like pushing this way I'm like you have to work to try to retract and keep the scapula flat on the back I'm like if you're winging out and I had a guy the other day who was like oh my shoulder's winging and I, I uh, like it just it's it's it, it's almost like um, we started, you know, and at, here at Power Athlete, we have a, a couple mirrors that will move around because I think sometimes people can't visualize or feel it. Like it, like they get stuck in this movement pattern and it becomes natural. And then when you show that to them and they see it and they're like, 
that isn't right. This is what it needs you to do. And for me, especially like if you can show me what the right movement pattern is, I can mimic that pattern. And I think we really lost it and people don't really aren't um, masters of understanding what's good and bad. And really, the, I mean, yeah, what we the, fought for the mirror has been vilified. And like we always yeah. say, if it don't look right or it don't, don't look right, don't fly right, Charlie Francis. Yeah. And one thing we emphasize at our seminar is pay attention to where you're failing when we put them through our dead bug and our diagnostics Very because good. I guarantee that's where your athletes are also failing yeah. because you don't know you're doing it wrong. They've got to take their mind. The mentality is rep sets keeping up. Well, when you take your easy. mind inward, when well, you dive inward. It's, it's easy to calculate tonnage and loadage, or I'm sorry, not loadage, tonnage and load, and uh, you know, uh, uh, work capacity, all these different things with a time, with a number, because it makes it almost quantifiable. It's easy. If I have a spreadsheet, and I know that I can you do X, Y, right? and Z, then you know what? And as long as I'm able to meet the demands of my spreadsheet, then I am moving towards the goal at which I want. Gotcha. That makes sense. But the problem How becomes, to quantify the movement set. How to better... I mean, we're in the process. We teach people, but I know there's a better way to quantify it. What have you guys found with quantify? Like, for example, if your pelvic tilt, if you have a big sway back and then you're doing your lifts, you're going to jam your joints in your back and you're, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah, well, you're not, well, one, you're not going to be able to execute the movement the way I want you to move. Yeah, we measure in basically ones and zeros. Like one it's binary. Is, yeah, binary. Oh, great. But it's an objective observation. It's observational. Mm-hmm. We know how you how should can a look. Binary, how can binary code be observational? Well, you observe and apply the binary. Just bit. zero one. Yeah, Are you like a pass one. fail or a zero yeah, one? Yeah, that's basically it. Like yeah. did it wrong. Okay, keep going. Up, oh, you well, did it wrong. I mean, we, we you know we had a. But yeah, it's hard to. So that's where the like you know we come into the definition of athleticism is very object or subjective definition. You have to understand what primal movements should look like for you to interpret something as athletic, or go at the reverse. You can see what athleticism looks like, and then you basically but you can, you can never break that down into the fundamental movement patterns and know how to to present <coughs> that. So that's what we do with our shit. It's just basically all right. Start simple uh, with our primal movements. Teach people on squat step lunge push pull rotate brace and, and it all goes back to one of the core fundamentals of uh, the seminar which you know comes from um you know and i i'm sure i don't know if you know this but like you know people listening probably fucking heard me say this shit but uh when i graduated early from berkeley i ended up working on my master's in education and one of the you know when they go through different teaching philosophies i mean there's a million different ones the one that made the most sense to me was the chunking model the idea of you know you know like teaching kids to read by you know now i'm going to teach you letters letters become words words become sentences sense paragraphs paragraphs become pages and you know okay words and so the idea is that I'm just not going to show you a complex word. I'm going to, or uh, I'm going to teach you the letters. And I, you know, I do this with my daughters. This is A, B, and once they learn the alphabet, now all of a sudden we start putting twos and threes, and then they have to sound things out. And you basically go through this whole process of reading through this chunking model. And for me, I believe athletic development and what we teach in terms of training is based on that chunking model. If I can't teach you how to hinge, uh, you know, and I can't teach you how to, you know, move on your, you know, Z and your Y axis. Um, then, you know, how am I ever going to expect you to develop and foster athleticism? How many levels of chunking are, are do you, have you broken it down yeah. into? Yeah, that how mean, many? You, uh, well, there's really seven primal movement patterns. The idea that you can step, squat, and lunge based off your X, Y, and Z axis. There's an upper body push and pull, both horizontal and vertical. So based off of those seven different primal movement patterns that you have to be able to master in three different planes of motion, which would be your sagittal, transverse, and your frontal planes. So the idea to be able 
able to execute primal movement patterns and be able to tie those primal movement patterns to create primal proficiency in you know in space and basically move through you know the different planes of motion is what we know as athleticism. Have you looked into how like let's say someone does not have those movements and they go into CrossFit? We have to teach them. There's fundamental. They're, would they, would they're, some develop naturally? No, no, no. I, um, it would like that comes back to I think the, well, the genetic. It, it, it becomes well, it, it be, like where do you fall on what we would call our athletic continuum? If you're if you're pushed into if you're flopped out into an active lifestyle, let's say you did a lot of yard work or some shit as a kid, and it just it, your parents were good movers, so you observe that and learn well, that that's movement pattern. Too. Okay, Children. then you walk into a CrossFit gym and you're like, hey, you know, I've never really done. That. You could acquire that skill relatively quickly right. with early exposure to it right yeah. but let's say you're not taught to lunch and all you do is squat 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 squat, squat and then lunges come out two years later I don't know if you'd be a good lunger you know what I mean but I think it has to do kind of like what Dan John with genetics and geography like what, yeah. what were you doing in developmental period um, that that's going to have a strong influence on it. Well, what do you guys recommend for development development period in terms of um, what do you do? You recommend certain models? I know there's uh, well, well, like athletic development models in different countries to prepare well, for we, sports. Well, they, oh fuck, dude, this is a whole podcast. No, yeah, I mean, totally. I, I I literally have a, a, a talk to me, Johnny, um, coming up uh, tomorrow exactly on this. Um, there was a Washington Post article uh, that I posted on Facebook about um, the idea that. Uh, you know the the fact that we are becoming so safe with our children and we, and we've basically taken away all this idea of free play that it's actually hindering them and it goes back to this idea of, was it the vestibule system which is in the inner ear uh, becomes yeah. a, a really the fundamental piece for athleticism and also movement for not only emotional and physical development so <clears throat> when kids are little if they don't hang upside down twist play run you know roll down hills and do all these things what happens is, is they never develop body awareness or their understanding Understanding of movement, and then the vestibule system becomes undeveloped, and it actually hinders not only physical but emotional development. And they found in New York City that like 30% of the kids, they're having to put them back into actually these form of like structured um, what, what were they called? Like uh, cross crawl uh, patterns or something? Yeah, yeah, like 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 basically like a, a rehab that they would do for. Um, Patients that were like learning to walk again, and I can't remember the name. I find it, pull it up here in a second. But they were sounds like what we do. They were primal I mean, movements, anyways. Well, well, I mean, but but if you think about like uh, cross pop, uh, cross uh, cross patterns for crawling, like you know, and my my little boy is crawling right now, and literally watching him, uh, which is ironic because if you see the way that babies develop, uh, they don't crawl until they develop back strength from sitting up. So the first thing that they, they do is like when they sit up and they develop the ability to, the musculature to be able to hold their heads and their neck and the whole deal. Once they develop that, then they can fall forward and they can start working on the cross crawl is, pattern. Is crawl opposite arm, opposite leg? Usually. Okay. So so, so what they do, which is kind of funny, is they actually move their arms first and their legs are kind of behind them so they army crawl. And then at some point they figure out to, to move faster. They got to get their like knees underneath them and then they get on their knees and then they kind of do this weird, like, it, it's pretty interesting, like, like their uh, cash is at the development where he's able to move his arms, but like he kind of will move one leg. And I think because we have hardwood floors, he picks up his one leg uh, that doesn't have a pant leg and will actually use it for balance. So when I put him on the carpet, he crawls fast, but when he's on hardwood floors, he'll always lift one leg and try to put his foot down. And then the next thing is, is as he goes from that crawl, that crawl pattern with his knees underneath him, he will eventually squat up, which is our X pattern. He'll take a step, which is our 
Y pattern, and then at some point when something's in front of them, they'll get a change of well, the electric. Well, crawl is a step up. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is. I mean, he's moving, you know, unilateral to a bilateral, but he will press himself up into that X. So, I mean, just, but like, I, I remember uh, one of the guys I know was like, you know, the faster that you can get him to develop his head and his back strength, the faster he'll crawl. So the girls, you know, and you saw the Jesse, Jesse there. Gray, yeah. yeah, that was Mr. Gray. So I would hold the, the baby, you know, like this with like on the chest, and I would basically. So what do John's doing is kind of like arm out, horizontal, parallel yeah, with the like ground. A, a supine uh, like, palm up and then uh, the baby is basically face down and you're supporting his chest. So the baby's chest and sternum and pelvis and belly buttons along the forearm yeah. I got the a, chest is in the I got palm. a picture with John it's, doing that to Cash. We can just post yeah, it. Yeah, right, we'll post it up good. but like holding him like a football and what I found is that uh, um, when like if I hold him like that I can actually put him here and kind of hold him which is a more comfortable position but also if I'm ever in like we were on an airplane I hold him like that and all of a sudden a bag fell and like literally, I did like the Tony Spe- uh, Tony Blower fucking outside spear system. Spear, but I had a baby here, and I like kind of pulled him this way. Whereas if I had pulled him another way, the bag would have full on me. I like did this and kind of pushed the fucking, fucking bag off. Yeah. And I was like, honestly, I could fight off a fucking terrorist attacker with a box knife outside holding Abby. my child like this fucking position because I would just sprint through him and Cash would be fucking right there as my little battering ram. <laughs> um, a little battering around. He is, guy. dude. If you, uh, you, you guys see him, you'll, you'll see him this weekend, dude. He uh, he has gotten so thick, it's unreal. Like, Kate, uh, you know, like, she's periodically introduces new food, so he just got the sweet potatoes. I'm not kidding you, dude. He has bulked up nicely He's on the sweet potatoes, dude. <laughs> I, I like saw him like uh, I'll show you guys a picture. I like saw him. I was like, oh my god! I'm like, he's like looking thick. And Kate's like, you know, and he's now, almost, now is feeding wife. a baby like feeding a puppy where you feed them like the same calories they should be as an adult. So is he getting his four thousand calories <laughs> no. in? No, babies are pretty funny. They'll only eat as much as they want, and yeah. then like they're not like you, where all of a sudden like they just like won't do it. What do you anymore. mean? <laughs> what do you mean? Like it's just like all of a sudden uh, like someone pulls a lever, like you're done. Is that a challenge? <laughs> yeah, let's go. So here, here, here he is. You'll get a kick out of that. Yeah. He's looking, he's looking nice and thick. Dude, speaking of challenges in KC, one of the guys there um, actually is like challenged me, formally challenged me. But did he listen to the podcast? To a, yeah. And to he an was like, off. oh, you, you can do To eat. an eat off. And he's like, dude, uh, like in the day, if he's, if he's telling the truth, he eats a lot. But here's the thing. Let me tell you why I had to back down, John, because I did. And I had to promise and rain check this because I'll fucking go. Listen, I'll go with anybody. I'm going to win. And if you beat me, good game, but I'm coming back. I had to fucking set up all the Black Friday stuff. So I had to go home and I had to actually do computer work for maybe four hours. Oh, for after after for a cert. Gear. Yeah, for our gear. After a cert. So the last thing I wanted to do was go to some fucking dirtbag taco joint in Kansas City, Missouri and smash yeah, 30 no, tacos no, to prove a point and then go set up this fucking Black Friday thing. See, dude, uh, been awful. Uh, Kansas City's an interesting place because there's Kansas City, Kansas. And there's Kansas City, Missouri. Uh-huh. Kansas City, Kansas is pretty nice where I live. That's like Overland Park and like is a nice a border town like Texarkana. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it literally like the like crosses right through. Now Kansas City, Missouri, when I lived there was a little, I guess you could say, uh, not nearly as nice. But uh, now they've had some uh, gentrification and it's re like when you sent me where the gym was. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, that's over on the uh, north side. And um, you know, I live down south, but yeah, that's uh, so it looked the place that we were at, like it's it's going through a definitely. 
definitely yeah. like a rebuilding process because it looked like it could have been really ghetto, but it's coming up nice. Like it's all those yeah. like packing plant brick, exposed brick buildings, yeah, huge fucking warehouses. Like, that was like being old converted time. into. So when I lived there, that was like old time Kansas City and that yeah. place like that. I remember there was like a hot, like real trendy restaurant open down there that we went to. And like I remember I had even, the only, I had never been to that part of town because everything uh-huh. we did was like where the stadium was on the outskirts and I always yeah, was sure. down south. Well, anyways. So, so you didn't do the tacos. No, I fucking had to back down on the guy. But I did go to lunch with him each day at this little burger joint next to uh, next to the gym. And uh, every day he got fucking four patties and a big old thing of fries and just hawked it down and then went in and trained. He said he eat 12 eggs a day. Uh, Was he tried, a big guy? No. <laughs> but he found us at like 150 pounds. He was an e gamer, so he fucking used to play like I can't remember Counter Strike or some shit competitively to the point where he was like ranked nationally, and uh, was 140, 150 pounds, and then found us somehow. I can't remember his story. He's, he's still an e gamer. No, he's he fucking bangs weights. He's 100 percent dedicated to the system. He's up to 180. We're gonna get him over 200 cool. in a year. Cool. Wow. So those are good yeah. stories. That's what moves me. Yeah, but he's like, like a, he's a long, long play guy. He's been around since CrossFit football, I think. I, me- I mean, he's been around since Field Story. Oh, I remember his remember name. Remember his handle? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Okay. I can find it. Yeah, it's funny. We always do these seminars over the years, and people like start talking with me. And the hilarious part is, is I'm like talking with them friendly, and then all of a sudden they'll be like, oh, like, and they'll, they'll like name drop, and I'm like, okay, wait, what's your handle? And then as soon as they say it, I was like, motherfucker, why don't you lead with that? Like, <laughs> like, like we were in New York City at um at uh what was the place we down in um, Brick. Brick CrossFit. So this dude comes in and he's literally like talking with me like we went to high school together and he's like John, you know, like talking about the shit and. Uh, He's like, yeah, I really wanted to come to the seminar. I was like, why didn't you? He's like, oh, I got a kid, and like, I didn't, you know, with the money. And I was like, oh, fuck. So we're like rapping a little bit, and he like said something, and I was like, what's your handle? And he was like, uh, he basically uh, told me, and uh, it's um, Brett NYC, yeah, who has been like a plank holder on CrossFit football. He's like, and I, I was like. First of all, next time lead with that. And why the fuck didn't you email me? I would have comped you into this fucking thing. Like, like he was uh, OG CrossFit football before, and I was like, uh, like, come here, give me a fucking hug. Like, like I feel like we've been boys for fucking like ten years. Wow. And uh, he was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, so whenever I meet people and they like start talking about it, I'm like, always lead with whatever your handle is because unfortunately, uh, I can't fucking remember names, but for some reason, I remember handles where I'm like, I know who this motherfucker is. So that's yeah, funny. he was user seven hundred. User 700. Well, that, was his, that was his ID. So he's like the 700. This is Sean B. Is our boy. Okay. Oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's a regular listener to most of these guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. He'll, he'll, he'll yeah, hear us talking shit. That's cool. I'll That's fucking awesome. take you down any day, Sean. You name it. Any day but the day, the week before Black Friday. Well, uh, <laughs> probably one of the most impressive ones is we were in Salt Lake City and we read about this man versus food challenge. It was, uh, what was it, 12 eggs? Yeah. A pound of bacon. Yeah. A pound of potato. Yeah. A pound of like... Uh, no, then it was four slices of, of toast. Toast. Okay. And like uh, 30 32 ounces, ounces, yeah, 30 of, ounces milk. of whole milk. Okay. In, so, in what was it? How long? 15 minutes. Like 15 what? minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So here's God. the thing. He's like, because he, like, we were sitting around after the cert and he's talking shit, you know, or like just we're just all talking shit. I was talking about symposium. He's like, dude, I got to tell you, like, I know the story about the omelet. Like, listen, I get it. He's like, that's literally what I eat every day. He's like, I eat that much bacon, that much eggs every fucking day to try to put on weight because I don't want to be a fucking 140-pound guy. So we go in, yeah. and Luke literally hammers this thing. I'm not even it's literally – I'm not <laughs> even like – 
I I tapped out after like six minutes. I was like, ah, I'm a terrible. How about was it big? Oh, it was on It was literally on a, on like a fucking platter. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. like on a, a and, pizza. And Luke's like, tray. oh, like John Candy from fucking uh, the Great Outdoors. Oh, he's like, classic. Oh, the '96er. And he's over there like taking little micro bites. And like he's over, like I, I literally started coming into this thing, and I'm like, I can't eat this. So like I just fucking tapped yeah, out. I'm yeah. like, I'll pay. He fucking crushes it in like 13 minutes and pounds you the did. fucking milk. Yeah, no problem. Did, did you it was no John's? problem. No problem. What? Did you finish John's? I th- honestly thought about it because when you start to unleash the beast like that, like there's no, <laughs> you just kind of got to keep going until you're that python that tried to eat a fucking like water so, buffalo so you and, oh, and like you can you literally I, doesn't I, fit I, down the length of your body, and that's I, when you know you're done. There's no way I could eat that much, dude. dude. It's like it's it like would, the Hulk getting angry. You don't want to get me hangry. Well, uh, we we might have to do a little trip to El Tepeyac then. Bring it. Uh, so there's a Mexican spot here in, in East LA over um over near LA State that we used to go to, and uh, they have this fucking eight Eight pound burrito called the Macho Combo Burrito Ooh. El Tepiex. We roll in there after one of our certs at Combate at cro- CrossFit. Um, was it Combate? I thought yeah. it was uh, Bukaki. No, that's what you called. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when I got up, I was like, "Hey, thanks Bukaki. a lot for uh, having you know CrossFit Bukaki." But I mean, CrossFit Combate and um, so we rolled at El Tepiex and fucking Luke. Merlo, it, it almost got you. No, it did because there's a point, man. There's a point when you do this stuff where it's like you know better. You're a grown man or yeah. act like one, and you're like I'm a fool. Yeah, yeah. But you can break through that point real easy, yeah. right? I, and then, I and just, I was like, you know, it's not worth it. No one else was finishing their fucking burrito. I didn't want to be the weird guy. I thought we would go home, crush, you know, go back to John's house, crush a couple cocktails, debrief on the deal, you know. And John's like, you got it. I'm like really? And it, like I had eaten an eighth of this fucking thing. Like <laughs> as it, it just was like you eat it, you get it for free. One of those. Like a yeah. t-shirt. Oh, you get a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. I got you a t-shirt. So John's like, "Fucking do it!" And then everyone's like, I'm "Like, do you guys want to leave?" And they're like, "No, fucking eat it." I'm like, "All right." And then I just from there, the strategy was like, "Don't make eye contact with the burrito." Just like, <laughs> can I hang out with you? Yeah, guys? for sure. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. And just fucking eat it, you know. And then uh, it wasn't paleo, but I got a, you know, whatever. It was and, delicious. Uh, but then I, thought, how would you know? You had two fucking little nibbles, Did like you a high the school book? girl. I, yeah, I finished it. Got did. my t-shirt too. I, I ate. And I'm sure my girlfriend ate, gave that away. I ate half of it. I remember. Yeah. And I, maybe not half, but pretty close. Dude, four yeah. pounds, even half. It was big. Nah, What's dude. a big Chipotle burrito? Probably pound and a half on yeah. that thing. I don't know. Sure. Uh, yeah. I remember Sprague. Uh, what did, what, he, did, he did pretty good. He didn't he did. finish it though. He got like three quarters. Yeah. He got really far and then just like Fuck couldn't it. do it. Yeah, but killed himself. But anyways, yeah. So what are we talking about? Uh, your uh, ability to fucking eat a massive amounts of food. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's crazy? I do this shit. No back pain. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So what do you think? Do you think people just aren't eating enough? Is that no, the problem, wow. is, the problem is they don't know how to brace when they're eating. <laughs> I'm not bracing. It's my stomach pushing against my spine from the inside. It I'm is an doing, internal brace. Yeah, internal it brace. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, like a, it's like uh, somebody's filling a balloon inside of your sternum, which is effectively mm-hmm. creating, an, yeah, you said, internal bracing. It might like push short. into the lumbar spine and decrease the anterior <laughs> tilt, actually, if you brace on top yeah, of it. Yeah, but that's only after 8 to 10 pounds of burrito. <laughs> So the treatment we're going to describe is uh, Hedel Tapiak. Sounds like a short-term treatment. No, I don't know about that. I'm more into That's the long, long game. game. <laughs> like, yeah, so you're good. saying a bigger burrito. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> well, but, okay, so bring us. Let's try to ring. No more burrito Sorry. stories. Uh, <laughs> all right, so well, where so do we? It's, it's the only so thing that makes you we, happy. We talked about work ethic and people kind of missing the boat on right. not even taking probably what is the most effective way to manage this stuff because it takes time. And like, we'll always talk to guys who are so clearly confused and early on, like the decision is irrelevant in the long term. Just do something and do it and continue to do it. And that's like more about a training stimulus side of things. Like, hey, you know, should I follow this program or this program? Here's my long-term goal. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you just got to be consistent and then let's see where the everything settles after eight weeks minimum six months ideally. And right? progress takes time. I mean, progress just like in success in general, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be, you, there's a faith component where you have to believe in the process. Yeah. And then you have to put in that daily work and the, the results will come with time. It just depends on the person and how bad you are. Yeah. If you follow the right program, then those results will come. Whether it's two weeks, three weeks, or six weeks, they will start to come. People stop too early. They'd rather dig a thousand small rabbit holes than actually dig in one. And a lot of that probably comes down to them not being confident with the overall program of the process right, right. to not being injured. And I can definitely understand that with so much information out there, with so many different, with the internet and, try, and just people trying to, if people, listen, if you guys, if, if, you, if you have back pain or listening right now, chronic back pain, you're probably not going to be able to do it on your own. Because if you were, you, you would have done it. You wouldn't be where you are right now. Uh-huh. You're going to need some help to get you started. But once you learn it, it's like anything. It's like teaching a kid how to walk or learn how to ride a bike. Once you learn the process, you're good on your own forever. You don't need help anymore. You know how to help yourself. Mm-hmm. When you know these functional, these primal movements, you guys know, if someone, someone asked me to go, should I be doing squats in the gym? I go, I already know that they, they do not understand their back. <laughs> Just from that one question. Yeah, yeah. Because if you knew the correct movement, you would know not to ask me that question. Right, yeah. So it come, there's certain questions. That people with chronic back pain, like I said, they've got there over time. Whether it's from one big injury once upon a time mm-hmm. or a bunch of small things that added up death by a thousand cuts. And that's the whole process. And, and for you listeners, too, we have so much information on our website, too, moveview.com. We have podcasts as well. We just got started. We're not as sophisticated as you guys. Are yet. you fucking kidding me, dude? <laughs> like, we're sitting here in, like, the most hacked up office in the most hacked up studio. You can hear these guys. I don't know if they're, like... In the neighborhood, too. Like, what's going on? Is this a rap concert next door? Do you hear the bass? Yeah, it's right? fucking terrible. That's where we're going to next. Right? And then this guy's fucking driving by in the background like he's well, Paul Walker, God rest his soul. <laughs> you know? Well, uh, this, yeah, this place is a shit. Anyway, sorry, but... Uh, uh, One day we will have a nice office. Now let let me ask you this. I this may be way out of bounds on terms of talking about, and it's not what you guys are thinking. But speaking of Dr. Tom, he talked to us about, or maybe it was just me. I don't know if I ever posted this audio to be honest with you, but uh, uh, it's called pain neural matrix theory. Yeah. Right, and it's the idea of like just pain point receptors, and it was a study that he. I was fucking confused. And he, the way he described to me is they did a study on baseball pitchers, right? And that pain for is individuals not, no. is not correlated to the amount of no. trauma so, or structural damage, so, so, right? So what what this goes back to is that they did, not only they looked at professional pitchers, but they also did uh, back scans yeah. On, yeah. on random people. They literally just found Are you people. in back pain? Yeah, right. And it was the, the idea. They that, say yes. Right? No. So they brought people in that like applied to come to the study and they asked them a game of questionnaire. Are you in back pain? You had or anything? And then regardless of what they said, they put them in a scan. 
uh, the people that had the worst back scans had zero pain, and the people that had pain had nothing wrong. Well, it wasn't it just like there was a disproportionate relationship, relationship between, between pain, pain and, and structural yeah. damage? And then also with baseball pitchers, they looked at like the uh, shoulder uh, rotator cuff, and and some of the guys that had zero pain that were throwing gas shoulders were fucked up, mm-hmm. and then other guys that had tremendous shoulder pain didn't nearly have the damage of the other guys. So there was this disconnect between pain is not indicative of the damage or the injury for many people. Well, that's what sur- surgeons, medical doctors, they're map readers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a picture and what the map says is what you do. Yeah. There is correlation, but here's the correlation that, that I do know, is I can look at somebody, if they come in, and if they have a flat low back, they don't have a curve in their back, it's flat, and then they have sciatic pain down the leg, and let's say they're had it for five years, I already know when I send them for an MRI, if I do, which I don't even often do anymore because I don't need one. Yeah, sure. That disc is going to show degenerative change. It will match more often than not. Opposite true, if I get a CrossFit, let's just say a 45-year-old female, which is going to come in typical, massive quads, huge forward tilt. Back, no hamstrings. Right? No hamstrings. No hamstrings. No. And here's what they're going to do, though. They're going to have a huge arch in the back. When you arch in your back like that, you, you all the pressure is going into the back of the spine, but your you look, joints. But you look great in your Lulus you, and, and your fucking... You, you look know, great to the people in, in with the your, untrained eye. In your Stacey yeah. Tovar <laughs> exactly. white booty shorts, because you know what? You Stacey Tovar is a saint, John. Let's... Well, yeah, it's because she wears white shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of a sudden you're just fucking putting it out there right. and like that big arch is you know we call putting out the vibe <laughs> well that vibe also takes out glute activity too so it's like you're going down a downhill battle a da- you're, you're sliding downhill but the point is if that person comes in yeah, sure. 45, 50 they have that excessive arch and then they come to me with joint pain which joint pain is more of a sharp pain it's like a sharp stab or it produces a tingling in a jab motion I and if we x-ray them, they will show joint wear and tear because their core is not – because all the all the weight of the body is sure. on the joints. There is correlate. I do know what you're saying, though. People with uh-huh. no back pain. and sh- A lot of it is actually on knee and shoulder, but don't have pain but show degenerative wear and tear. I uh-huh. get that. That might cause some confusion for people, though, but when it does – often it does match. Yeah, sure. Whenever you have no – because the, the, the typical guy – well, there's two types of guys, right? Too much arch, no core. Or they have flat back. Those guys will blow the yeah. disc out. The guys with too much arch will get well, the joints. But, but we, but tip very typical. We've also mm-hmm. seen this thing, you know, progress. Like, like, um, like when I start looking at people um, and notice like collapsed arches. All of a sudden, we see the knee come in, and all of a sudden, they lose the ability to fire the glute. So the, you know, the knee ends up tracking in. The ankle gets weak. They start getting the big their drop, and the arch collapse. And then all of a sudden, it fucking trails up, and they get low back pain. Of course, it and like, to make and, sense. and we we see this all the time. I mean, dude, I have people take off their shoes, and I'm like, I want you just to drive your knee out. A little bit and I want you to create an arch because you know people are like oh my feet are flattening I'm like the reason your feet are flattening is just because of the fucking you're letting your knees collapse if you fucking drive your knees out and even if you put you know hand on the outside of the knee this way and you get somebody to drive out all of a sudden as they're driving out hard they create guess what arches. happens the you, arch is there the arch is there yeah. and all of a sudden they become uh, their fucking low back over time will all of a sudden well, it'll raise that hip back up again yep. for bounce and I'm working with the well, I was working with a player we'll see how it goes and so Here's what's so fucking frustrating for me, right? He's got, I know, I already know he's got the best insurance, and I know he's going somewhere in Arizona, a specific spot, and he blew out his disc. And I know, based on the MRI, it's been bad for a long time. So he goes to this place that works with athletes, and the first, he messaged me, he goes, Yeah, they gave me orthotics, and he said for the orthotics and adjustments. <laughs> do, you know where, do, you, do you know where he went? He went yeah, to Athletes I, Performance. I do, what's that? He went to Athletes Performance, Exos. 
That's where all the L go. So I forget. I forget if that's the one. This it's in near Phoenix. But the point is, yeah, it's, it's guys. Tough, this it's is tough. where this is why health insurance it, it dangles bait in dude, front of doctors. Dude, hold on, it dangles bait in front of them and the, it, it makes them bite. For example, this doctor is going to get four or five hundred dollars for his orthotics, and they're thinking for themselves and not the fucking patient. Well, um, this guy doesn't need orthotics. So he needs to learn how to use his feet again. When 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 I went to the Eagles, uh, we had a, an old time. Uh, uh, podiatrist a guy named uh, Dr. Cohen. So Dr. Cohen comes in, and so we're, oh boy. we're, we're like laughing about it. And he's like, uh, um, You got high arches? I'm like, Yeah, I fucking have high arches. He's like, uh, Here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to ever wear shoes again. He goes, I want you to walk around barefoot all the time. The only time I want you to wear shoes is if you're wearing football cleats. He's like, um, you know, get sandals, uh, you know, walk around barefoot. He's like, I don't want you to wear flip flops a ton, but I'd rather you do that than uh, wear shoes. And I was like, Why? He's like, um, if you continue to walk barefoot, you'll strengthen your, your feet and you will never have clapped arches and you won't have any problems. Or I can make you orthotics today and you'll wear orthotics forever because you're going to have foot pain. Totally. And I told him, I was like, I don't want to wear shoes. And so I don't wear <laughs> shoes. I don't, I, I never wear them uh, at home. I take my shoes off. We leave That's actually pretty solid advice. From, I do not hear that. That's not right. the general but, way with podiatrists. So, 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 guys, that's not the norm. Doc Cohen, old time dude, like uh, like literally old time podiatrist. His dad was a podiatrist, like just old time dude. And I remember him being like, "How do you think we fix foot pain before all this fandangled bullshit?" And he's like, "Yeah, right." And I always remember he said that. And I'm like, "Well, I don't know." And he's like, "Let me tell you." He goes, "Dude, shoes are what are fucking you up." And so that's the reason we all wear Vans, things that have like no support. He's no like, support, right? So he, right. He, he he always talked about it. He's like, "Man," he goes, uh, um, "You know, like," and, and I think that day I was wearing Vans. He's like, "The reason you don't have foot pain or any of these problems like a lot of these other guys uh, is, you know, because you wear very, uh, you know, low pro, not Love a lot it. of support shoes." But the, the best is he goes, man, he goes, you can make a decision today. I'll either make you orthotics and we'll deal with this or just don't wear shoes. And uh, and then the best one is he asked me, he goes, y- you uh, you have kids? And I was like, no. And he said, when you have kids, don't let them wear shoes until uh, unless they have to and they go to school. We it. kind of talked about it. Yeah. And so my little girls didn't wear, I didn't even buy them a pair of shoes. Like they had like either slip-ons or like, you know, little like fucking bullshit kid shoes, little rubbery things up until they went to school this year and they're five. I love and it. And I won't even let my son wear shoes. Like, all these people have these little babies wearing shoes. I'm like, fuck that. Well, let you know what else happens, too, is these, especially athletes that have this forward tilt, arch back, massive quads. What happened is if that it pulls their whole center of gravity over the front mm-hmm. of their toes, which is which is triplifying the weight on the arch. So that arch now is gonna is going to rapidly collapse much mm-hmm. faster than all the weight backwards. So it's whenever your weight, that forward tilt pulls that weight forward, and there go your arches. And then when the arches go, well, once again, the knees go in. But, it's, but it's, it's a downward it's thing. It's just like the head. Like all of a sudden, if you're always in that overextended sure. head position, all of a sudden you start getting kyphosis of the upper then back. Then you gotta get more doses and, to balance and then, it. Yeah, and, and then all of a sudden you get that that curve. So if you That's see right. old people that are extremely hunched forward, all that shit started by that fucking chicken head position. So, That's yeah. so we take things back to the spine first. We take it back to the core, back to the blades, back to the head carriage, because that's the long-term thinking. Get that in order first. Just like in jiu-jitsu. I train jiu-jitsu, right? And you go in there and you want to learn. I want to learn how to choke. I want to learn how to fuck people up. They go, no. The first thing you have to do is learn how to control your opponent. You have to learn how to pass their guard and and hold them still. And then you practice it. It's the same thing with that. And it that spinal movement, guys, it is it's like a battle. Your body is a battle. It's trying to go down. Your body's going downhill right now. uh, It's a battle fighting to keep it. It's just like everything. I mean, uh, in boxing and fighting, I mean, we learned footwork before we learned to learn punches. I mean, any, any idiot can stand and throw a punch. It's it's the true uh, skilled fucking fighter that knows how to move his feet and, and basically get 
get himself in a position right. to be most effective. So it's just like anything. Every everything has a foundation and like understanding not only, I mean, the first thing we do at our, at our seminar is what we teach proper posture. This is what your proper, uh, proper posture should look like based off of, you know, we put people, Hey, I want you to look down and do an ocular pat down. This is what problem proper posture is. Now we are going to challenge your posture through movement, but this always becomes your default that you have to get back to. And the problem is, is that people, one, they don't understand proper posture, and two, uh, nobody's ever talked to them. They, they didn't have a mom that was like, stand up. Stand well, posture is this thing for people where I'll go, your posture is a lot. They, all just, they just agree with it. Mm-hmm. And there's a quote that I love. It goes, to know and not do is to never really know at all. Sure. So if somebody has poor posture, even if they say they, ha- they, they know, they don't know because it feels amazing to have good posture. And posture is a struggle, guys. Posture doesn't come naturally. You have to fight. I have to fight yep. for posture all day, pushing my head in the headrest, even sitting here right now, arch, tuck, shoulder blades down. Guys, it is a constant life struggle, but you know what? It's hard work, but you know what else is hard work? Being in fucking pain. That's so, hard work. So how do you, I mean, we, this is stuff we all deal with. We, I think, have developed a coach's eye. We see we see the posture position through all sorts of all sorts of movements and training, and that makes it seeing, like walking around, makes it so easy with someone just standing, right? But let's say there's these guys who are, most of these guys are gals who are, are they're, they're great people, they're probably give us five-star reviews on this podcast after this show right and say something nice on itunes what if they don't fucking know like how do they know if they are in poor posture like what are some drills and skills that you would do for can you do a self-assessment where should they go we throw somebody up so guys on on movie.com we have it's called the free program you can see it on there and it takes you through all the functional movements one at a time and the first one is a posture test guys it's free i recommend everybody goes and does it the first one it has you stand against a wall heels hips blades chin back and it has you go through a couple points how comfortable does that feel to you yeah head 14 inches off the wall yeah right right. you fail and then the next test we teach them how to use their core to brace posture is really the the sum of all the movements Mm -hmm. yeah so the posture is the first thing we check but then we teach them how to guys this is all free tests online freaking take them and save yourself then we teach them how to brace their core and how to do a pelvic tilt arch tuck arch tuck all those things together equal good posture Mm -hmm. if you can do all those you have the ability to have good posture yeah multiple positions if you fail that posture test that means one of those six movements underneath is not working correctly Uh and if you learn to correct that one and focus on it which takes time and work like anything worth who is it Theodore Roosevelt anything worth having and doing in this world requires work nothing comes easy right and that guy was a badass president. Sure. <laughs> he was a badass. Yeah. He, he used to go skinny dipping in the Potomac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's fucking, dude, he was like, that's my, he was pretty dude, that's my deal. Dude, uh, they, they had like a weird deal where they had like a sprint too. I forgot what they, yeah, uh, I remember uh, that. Uh, I remember this. Uh, what was it? It was, uh, it was like a fucking sprint. From the White House to, to like uh, a hill and back. They used to run as like a, him in the Secret Service or something that's like really? a yeah. race and like some yeah, of his, like yeah. some, 3 a.m. or something. Yeah. 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 They, yeah they where, get is up and, where do we hear this? It had to be a podcast. It had to be because we all know it. Yeah. yeah we like like somebody it. told us this about him. Like he, like, like the stories of Teddy Roosevelt, they're so legendary. Like his hunting things uh-huh. and the Rough Riders right. and all that. I mean, right. he was a dude that led from the front, you know? That's, to me, that's freaking, I, that's a leader right there. But the point is, is this, is, is posture you could do with a simple, ch- you simple test mm-hmm. and then you can break down the movements to find out where yours is faulty. Yeah. And yeah. then you work on that pattern. And that pattern though is not just something you do in the gym. These are movements of life. Once you yeah. learn how to do it, you're going to pick up a pencil different. If you guys, if you hurt your low back by picking up a pencil or sleeping wrong, you're fucked up. It's not yeah. what caused it, guys. It's, uh, we hear it all the time. 
I, I slept heard my, funny. I slept fine. Guys, if your back is good, you could sleep on a bale of hay and you would be <laughs> fine, okay? Sure, sure. It's it's there's a tipping point that happens. But you know what? It's a blessing because it's a blessing to have low back pain because it makes you it's not something that's gonna go away either, just so you guys know. You guys are gonna work at the movements, learn how to move your body, you're gonna feel great. And when you stop doing it, it's gonna hurt again. And you know what? In the long game though, you're gonna be happy because that's always a, Did a, you know a that cue for you a, to uh, stay fit. Uh, always. Th- th- there was an interesting statistic about back pain uh, and drug abuse that like the majority of people that like you know ended up getting hooked on painkillers and then basically moving into like hardcore drugs and different deal uh, when they went and they asked them they were like what was the catalyst to get you on all these painkillers it was like 90% of them was uh, insufferable back pain I had all this back pain uh, they you know they were they were giving me painkillers all of a sudden it wasn't enough so that now and then it was this cascade effect and I remember like number one cause of disability worldwide is back pain number one drug abuse and uh, you know different stuff so it seems as if by becoming the back pain guys and really spearheading back pain, you're trying to save the world. Well, you know, here's what happened. Let me tell you the story. And, you know, I, I, love, the, I love the mission. Andrew, was I taught at Cal State San Marcos College, and I was an instructor of kinesiology. As a chiropractor, they brought me in for a physical therapy program, which was interesting. But I met Andrew, who at the time was a student of mine, and I've, I've always gone above and beyond to be the best doctor. And Andrew, at the time, herniated his disc. And honestly, all of my methods only gave him a little head start. It was when he started learning how to move his body, how to brace, how to do glutes, how to squat, relearning the movements again, the same movements that we teach people. Mm-hmm. That ta- It actually humbled the shit out of me. I go, damn, it's not that short-term stuff I've been practicing. It's the way you move. And that's the story. And that's one I've literally built. I gave him all of my knowledge. He's built on top of that. And the movie method is wrapped around his process that he developed. And I am the spokesperson. I'm the driver of the whole ship. And I'm the motivator and inspirational force. But really, that experience taught me that it's not the doctor. It's not the adjustment. It's not the PT. It's not the shot. That's Mm -hmm. not what it is. It's this movement, and that's how Andrew and I, yeah. we are. We are yeah. the back pain guys. You know and what? It's, I need to find the shoulder pain guys, because obviously I went to the back pain guys. Well, you're, not, shoulder pain guys. Well, you're not in shoulder pain. You're in shoulder mobility oh, restriction. Well, what's, what's funny is uh, when I went to that doctor, they were uh, – so years ago for my uh, NFL workman's comp deal, I, I had to go to this doctor, and he looked at my MRI. And this is like five or seven years ago, and he recommended shoulder replacement. And I was like, but I can still lift weights and I don't have any shoulder pain. And he said, well, why are you here? And I was like, well, I'm here because the workman's comp shit sent me. And I was hoping that maybe you could get me more range of motion. And the guy's like, no, nah, all I do is a shoulder pain. So come back when the shoulder is so unbearable, it doesn't hurt. And I was like, but what if it never does? He goes, and you'll never get a shoulder replacement. If I was a shoulder surgeon, which I'm not, I feel like I would go in there, the, the Just, ball and socket, the socket, I would groove, I'd cut a new groove in it. I'd reattach those muscles. And you know what? Dude, what I, I would do, you, that's is, what I would do. Is I'd have them cut it open, I'd have them bathe it in like polyglycan, which is what they do to horses. So like when they go and they do surgery on horses they basically take it and they take the stuff polyglycan and they like like uh what is it they radiate or uh, aspirate the the joint with with this fluid that like basically is almost like a honey and it like basically co- you know creates all this healing so they like spray it down with all this uh, stuff i would like reattach everything clean everything up clean off osteophytes fix everything and i would like basically uh inject the highest amount of stem cells I could find. I mean, I would like whatever you got to do to synthesize those in and outside the body, whatever it looks like, put them in there, sew it up, and then like put me in like an incubator. I just don't know who and does tape that. Tape an astronaut. There's got to be somebody out. You got to tape the astronaut. Well, Inkladon, like at some point, and like Inky knows this, like Inky's going to call me and, and all he's going to say is, it's time. It's, it's, <laughs> we're ready. And, and, I, and I know the day that he calls me and, and it's literally, we're ready, then I'll just tell Kate, I'll be like, 
get the kids in the car. We're going to Arizona. We got to go see Inky about a horse. Dude, he was telling me, he was telling me, he, he was like trying, he's like, well, what should we do? He's like, actually, I just got this great new piece of equipment. It's a little bulky. Uh, it's about five by five by seven. Five, and I'm like, what, what five, five feet? He's like, yeah. I'm like, Doc, are you flying out here? He's like, oh, yeah. And then, like, you hear Christy in the background, like, how are we going to fit this on the plane? He's going to fucking haul up. I don't know what no, the fuck this so, thing is. So, so Tom has a new interesting machine where they found out that uh, they can, through the use of magnets, they can balance your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system uh, to put the body in harmony. Like, I mean, to, to the point where now they can balance auditory uh, functions. And, like, he was telling me, he's like, honestly, he goes, the stuff with magnets is so fucking negative level that he goes you know we can effectively fix a lot of these things and he goes uh, to the point where um, he goes I think this thing is as revolutionary as I've ever found and huh. so um, yeah he's going to bring it out yeah he's want to bring it out And I, uh, but, <laughs> but the best part is he was like telling me and I'm like do, do they have a home model and he's like yeah I'm like awesome <laughs> I was like let's get the home model I'll fucking put that thing in but uh, for uh, people that have chronic illness you know people that deal with like chronic pain chronic illness all of a sudden they're basically doing this thing where they're balancing the parasitic sympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system and like all of a sudden it's like helping people tremendously so i mean tom's tom uh tom's pretty interesting in that um and this just speaks to the person that he is um so as you guys know uh, a couple months ago my half sister passed away of cancer so she had some stomach problems went into the doctor and she was gone in three weeks Literally, she like walked into the hospital, and never left. And um, at like the darkest moment, uh, you know, my other half sister called and my dad and was like, you know, is there anything we could do? And my dad called me and I was like, my lifeline on this planet's tummy cleanup. If something's wrong with me and Inky can't fix me, then just fucking put me in the box. And uh, so I called Tom and we flew Tom out and Tom started going through all the protocols that the doctors were doing and was like, you know, these are where all the problems are going. I mean, you know, her cancer was very aggressively growing on opiates and, and glucose and they basically had a glucose IV and a morphine IV and they wondered why it grew so fast. And so um, she ends up passing away and I remember calling Tom and he's like, you know what? He goes, uh, we should have never got to this point. We should have been able to help her faster. And he literally like went deep into this deal right and, problem solver and, and, and he is like he's like it bothered me that people are losing there has to be a way to do this uh, if you're going to do chemo and so they started doing genetic testing and he went down all these rabbit holes and at the symposium he's going to present his information which uh, you know, I told him, I'm like, if it's, a, you know, there's going to be dudes in black fucking minivans are going to come up and get you when yeah. this stuff comes out because you're... Well, remember, like, it's not black minivans. It's the unexpected, like, caravan. <laughs> yeah. Like, a yellow and white yeah, and just, some, like, something a fleet of mismatched, slightly mismatched caravans. Man, That's when you know bad people are coming to do something. <laughs> so, but, I mean, that, that type of deal where, you know, uh, like, standardized healthcare is failing us. I mean, I, I was uh, texting you. Do you remember that article or that question you forwarded me from that mom who worked for the USDA that... That was asking about recommended saturated fat. So, like, yeah. I've worked on that. Like, I just haven't forgot about it. I like periodically pull it out, and I've, it, it's to, it's to introduce to listeners. I uh, was working with high school kids. They asked nutrition. And I simply gave them John's. Just tell me what to eat, and then a bulking protocol. Yeah. And so then uh, one of the parents reading it, uh, who worked for the USDA but wasn't a registered dietitian, worked in some I don't know admin role, read it and was completely. Um, 
flabbergasted that I would recommend for, you know, children over the age of two to drink whole milk because, you know, what about the saturated fat? So she sends text this uh, kind of snarky, snarky, cunt, yeah. snarky, cunty fucking email. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I, uh, I work for, you know, even though I'm not a nutritionist or a doctor or really had any form of uh, training, I work for the USDA, which technically means she could be an admin or be sweeping the toilet to fucking nose. But I imagine from the... From the, the, the school you're working, she's probably some form of higher up. She's probably investing their money. Um, but she sends this email, and so text forwards it on to me, and like I, I, I worked on it, and then periodically I'll like pull it out and add to it, and now it's about 12 pages of a rebuttal, and it's just basically dismantling every piece because they went back, and every five years, the um, um, what is it, the Food and Drug Administration, the Council for Nutrition, or whatever it is, releases their five years deal. And even though they're still pointing to saturated fat, they reverse their whole deal. Deal on cholesterol, and since cholesterol is a uh, is no longer of any concern for anybody, you know, for so long they were talking about that there was this direct link between dietary cholesterol and how much cholesterol is in your body, which is complete bullshit. It's innocuous. Your body produces more cholesterol in a single day than you could ever consume. So uh, if like not eating any cholesterol. Basically, you still have cholesterol, and you eat cholesterol, and you still have cholesterol. It's really just kind of a moot point. I just can't be in there. I mean, everybody's so but, lobbied in there. Oh, it's just but, like but it's that's built on thing. business and not what the person needs. Yeah. So, so she writes this email, and I basically have been going back and adding to this, and we've had it for about a year. And like I was telling Luke the other day, I'm like, dude, I have like 50 un- unpublished Talk to Me Johnnies that I've written pieces, and I just periodically go back and work every time new information comes out, and I want that post to be so decisive and so decimating that anybody that reads that's like dude John went fucking too crazy on this like it's so long it could be 12 parts but like that's the problem and like you know as we know in this in our in our company in our mission statement and I will actually pull it up for you Dr. Mike as you'll is my favorite one in here and unfortunately this is what it is no bullshit no gimmicks no excuses no half measures and the better part of it is is Go to battle with the bullshit. This is this is the mission statement for Power Athlete. We go to battle with the bullshit because in the fitness, nutrition, health, performance world, there's so many gimmicks and so much bullshit that like people are just fucking like uh, like they're so inundated, like just hosed down that they can't disseminate between what's good and bad and what I really have always desired Power Athlete to be is a beacon of honesty and like truth and like dude like all that shit is bullshit like here's the basics here's the simple like it doesn't have to be this complicated like I'm not trying to fucking sell you something for you know the ab blaster or any of this other bullshit like train hard eat some food sleep recover um you know if something weird happens to you you gotta go find a guy like dr tom to to fucking work the magic because unfortunately if you go to a doctor like my half sister walked into the hospital Complaining of some stomach pain, and three weeks later she was she was gone dead with a, uh, a a tumor that they had was aggressive had never seen a tumor grow that fast in three weeks was the comment that the doctor mm-hmm. made and my comment to him is do you think it could be the glucose or the or the opiates and the doctor was like no 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 not at all and I'm like really it's like that's I, funny I just coincidentally I just, prepared these articles well, for you I just googled this and they show a direct correlation while you guys are searching for a non opiate based painkiller. 
because you know that the opiates are making certain types of cancer grows faster. And, you know, ironically, now you have a situation where, you know, you, you know, in the state of California, now you have medical and medicinal marijuana. Uh, you know, why couldn't you prescribe something like that if we know these are having these problems? And just hyperdose with that fancy Dr. Tom ginseng. Yeah. You know? Or, or, you know, CBD. I mean, you know, that was why I was talking with Turley yesterday. I mean, Turley is, uh, you know, at the forefront of this fight for not only neurodegenerative brain stuff, but, uh, you know, the idea that CBD and THC can control cancer and has been proven all this stuff and the government holds patents on all these different strains. I mean, I, I don't like to believe in the conspiracy theory, uh, but unfortunately when there's this much money at stake, you can, you know, people tend to not act in the best interest. Well, here's what happens as doctors. And this is, and I've been de, un, I've been unbrainwashing myself for six months now. When you're in school dedicated for nine years, they plug you with information mm -hmm. and you become one of them. You have to agree to the philosophy. You have to agree to this. And therefore, you become another brick in the wall. Even if you're different, you're just a better version of somebody else. Yeah. And, and what happens then is, is the red tape that you talk about, 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 um, I forget what the hell we're just talking about. But I had, let me give you another example. We had another professional athlete. And what happened was he herniated a disc and he went into a pain clinic, which is, Guys, pain clinics are like kiss of fucking death. I literally can't stand them. And the pain clinic referred that person, to, first of all, it's scheduled for immediate hernia disc, wanted to get a couple shots, epidurals in. Why? Because they get money for that. That's exactly why. There's no other reason. They get a lot of money for those epidurals. And then sent them to a good physical therapist. And I wanted to see how the physical therapist acted because here's the thing. Imagine this. You were the physical therapist, you get referrals from this pain clinic. And the patient comes in and goes, oh, I'm scheduled to get this shot. What do you think? He goes, fuck, I get 100 referrals a year from this place. Well, I think you should listen to what they say, right? And now, now you've got red tape in the way. Now you now it's, it's very political because that, that PT can't go, you should not get that shot. You don't need that shot. You just need to move your body. But he can't say it because his revenue is dependent on that. And it's, it's painful for me to see that. So yeah, they go back and get the shot and the PT just accepts a mediocre path of not speaking his voice and just collects his paycheck with it. It's, it's brutal and that's how it works. And that's why you're a beacon. That's why we are becoming the beacon for this because we'll speak the truth. And it really comes down to movement. We have no gimmicks. We have no products. None of this shit. There's no orthotics. Yeah. There's no special belts. It's learn how to move your fucking body. Now, I, I could definitely be making this up, and this could be one of those things that's like a headline I scoop by and then now hold it as true, and I'll just be everything I hate. But isn't there a, a country, I want to say maybe China or somewhere in Asia, that medical professionals are, in re are, are compensated based off of the actual health biomarkers and like vacancy of their practices yeah. so they the goal is to keep people out of your fucking well, that's, an, that's essentially so, what an, right. HM, an HMO think, tries to do that yeah. in a way HMOs okay because HMOs they get paid like I've been approached to be in an HMO that means they go hey we're gonna give you 30 grand a month and but you gotta see all these patients and so I get a, num a number regardless so my job is to keep them out yeah but then the other side of that HMO thing is you end up getting so much riffraff in there it's not my sure, part the people sure. they don't care about themselves they, yeah they, so I refuse something like that. Yeah, but in, I don't know the country. But in assess, in have you heard anything? Like, have you texted? Am I making this up? I have no idea. John, you is this? Uh, yeah, I think it was for one of the Scandinavian countries. I don't remember uh, that. That they. Uh, fuck I. Well, it, like I, I remember sitting on an airplane with a guy who was from uh, Norway. It was we, we were flying over there, and he got into this whole philosophical talk with me about. Um, 
about how could you have standardized health care in a country that doesn't care about their health? Uh, and I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, in, um, in you know, countries, in these Norwegian countries, if you're out of shape or you're fat or you don't exercise and you become sick because you overeat or, you know, you don't do the things you need to do to stay healthy, you effectively become uh, a drain on the society and you have, are fucking breaking the machine and now you're fucking taking advantage. And the guy was like, how, you know, people in this country keep talking about standardized health care and it should be everybody's right to have health care. And I'm like, we uh, need to first identify what is health care and what is fucking like medicine and what is uh, uh, fucking pharmacology Slinging and pills. all those things. Yeah. Slinging pills and giving somebody like... Healthcare is me going to the doctor, right? And uh, uh, the doctor being like, yeah, your cholesterol is a hog. Take this pill. That's not fucking healthcare. That's pharmacology. That's like them fucking band-aiding a problem. Healthcare is you come to the doctor and the doctor being like, um, you need to lose a little bit of weight. You need to fucking exercise. You need to eat better. You need to sleep. You need to do all of these things to training. make you They're better. But that's not their training. They're not trained to do that. Well, yeah. You know why? Because that's not profitable. They are only, like, the only thing that the doctor has the ability to do is hand out a pill or prescribe a fucking yeah. uh, pr- Their procedure. schooling is funded by pharmaceutical companies. You better uh, believe they program. Like, I've been programmed to think a certain way. I've literally been stripping this shit out of my head for the last eight months. And I go, wow. It is it is. So such a this is one of the biggest obstacles to get that gets in the way. Let's say you find a good doctor, a good PT, a good Cairo, somebody who can really help you. Yeah. Insurance, insurance is one of the biggest obstacles to get in the way of people's recovery, even though they think it's there for their health. Insurance is very confusing. People like things simple. Our online back program, it's four-step process, four steps. To insurance, oh, you got deductibles and co-pays. You only get this many visits, and here's what happens at the back end. This doctor may only get forty dollars from you and three hundred for somebody else. So that three hundred dollars he gets, he's more likely to keep them coming and provide services that he gets paid for, but that person doesn't need. Or the person that only gets forty is really be pushed aside because they're not getting any money for yeah, it. Yeah, you're good. Uh, just go, guys. Jump it, off the bridge. It, it it creates pro- health insurance prevents people from getting better. Mm-hmm. It does. Preach, I'm on, dude. I'm on it. I'm with you. I mean, I'm curious how many. I like frustration. Feel my frustration yes, over here. Yeah, and rightfully so because it's it becomes a barrier to your success. And like whether or not it's a capital, like hey, of course you want to make money, feed feed your kids, whatever, do it. But you also want to help people too. Like so, if it's it's prohibitive for you in your profession because there's a bunch of these fucking people jamming healthcare on these people, and then uh, do I have it? I can't even fucking use it. Like. It just is too expensive oh, to go hot. You have to anywhere. lose both legs to hit your deductible. It, yeah. So it's like, well, uh, I just go to fucking Cairo's. Well, that's like, why I'm like, out of pocket. Everything's out of pocket, but I still pay the fucking health care. Out of pocket's the best way to go. But that's yeah. why I'm moving online is because I'm like, wow, I broke well, down the barriers. Well, then, uh, you know, and, and that's what we, we talked about with the health care thing. It's like we just pay out of pocket for everything, but mm-hmm. we still have this fucking health care thing yeah. because you're, you're required uh, to have have health care that we Unless don't Unless you're an outlaw want. like Tex and Tex is riding fucking raw dog no health care. <laughs> Hope you don't get kicked in the shin real hard buddy. <laughs> That's why I always wear boots. <laughs> oh. You got boots? Yeah you do. But yeah if you just like take that cash go to a health savings account there'd be a nice stack of cash to, in case something Fuck fucking went bad. Dude. I mean it's like I... Uh, like the but here's the thing if I'm the guy driving here's and the, I'm just driving and John's coming on coming traffic and he hears about the Kardashians and he fucking like, decides to pull over into my lane of traffic and he starts to go head on collision with me 
I'm probably going to be fucked up, right? And I want to be ready to be airlifted to wherever the fuck I got to go. And that's kind of where the, yeah, the yeah, healthcare that's your, yeah. comes in, right? Or you drive around a big-ass fucking diesel. And you and just are fucking go. And get one of those wedge bumpers. Always step hammer, right? <laughs> yeah, be the hammer. Don't be the always fucking be, nail. Always be the bigger diesel. <laughs> yeah. You drive around with a 12-valve, dude. Nobody's going to hurt you. Yeah, that that's thing. a good point. You're going to literally drive through a Prius. Actually, Priuses will piss themselves when you fucking cover them in black smoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and also remind me uh, to have DJ fucking uh, tune that thing back. The thing's running way too rich. And I want to okay. get gas mileage off. Right, or your fuel good. mileage. All right. So where are we at? What's up? I mean, we well, are roughly an hour and 40 minutes in. I want to talk about a couple yeah. more barriers, right? Okay, do it. And this is where, and this is why I'm so excited about moving online. Is you guys are already online. There's four on barriers. On the line? On the line. So, John, just for John's information, this is the internet that we're always on. <laughs> This is where you go to see all the dog videos on YouTube. <laughs> you mean the ones that chug the two dogs? <laughs> this is the four the four reasons why people like if you have chronic back pain and, and you fail in the medical system or with Cairo and PT. There's four reasons why. Number one, commute. It takes too much time out of the day. Yeah, sure. Period. Number two, costs too much money. Mm-hmm. Number three, health insurance got in the way of your progress. And number four, you're in an uninspiring environment. You know the average. You know what? You guys know how many times? How. Let me just give you the stacks. I don't even know how to ask this question. Seventy <laughs> percent of people drop out of PT after their third visit. Uh-huh. After their third visit, so it's just because it's a cold, unwelcoming environment. Well, it's so weird. It is like a weird kind of retirement home environment. Yeah, and like and everything's. I've only, I've only gone to a PT once, and it was ages back. And I know I was just an idiot, and he was he was good. Like he got me, he he fixed me up in eight sessions. I was back and up and running. Right. I don't know if it's good, bad, if it even worked. I don't know. It just I got better. You got better. What? <laughs> I'll take a placebo any fucking day. Man. Sure. And um, but anyways, you go in there and it's just like, it's the weird like white walls and like white equipment and smell weird, you know. And it's just like it's kind of weird. It reminds me of like a dentist. Yeah, well, totally. Yeah, totally. Athletic yeah. trainers and they're basically, I don't know. You see, they're dull down. Mm-hmm. But see, you know the the there are good ones. Like there sure, are sure, totally. ten. I want to say five to ten percent of them out there that are really doing fucking great things. But I'm sure just like. You guys deal with 90% of people do the same boring shit. They repeat. They don't want to take their mind and expand and, and to really solve problems. So they just repeat what they're taught over and over again. And it produces mediocre results. And they're mediocre people mm-hmm. to begin with. It's the ones that strive for excellence to really make a difference. But the problem with that in my profession is this. is the doctors that, that are actually to take the next level. What they do is they'll have a course. They'll teach. Like let's say uh, Michael Leahy, Active Release. He went above and beyond to create Active Release. Whatever your opinion is, he it was next level. And now he teaches other doctors to do it. Damn it. Yeah. He missed the direct. We're taking it right to the patient. There's yeah. no fucking middleman anymore. Yeah, yeah. And it's because of the internet. It's because of technology. It's because of online teaching platforms that allows us to do that, which is why I am so excited for this. And honestly, I'm taking down PT clinics and I'm taking down chiro clinics because anyone performing mediocre bullshit out there, they're going fucking down. Because yeah. I can offer a massively superior product with guaranteed results in a super inspirational environment with tons of motivational material. And why would you ever go down the road to that boring thing when I could deliver it and for a third of the price? Yeah. They're going down. It's like Amazon's taking out local businesses. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking them down because of results. It's because I'm putting it It's for the bigger purpose. Uh-huh. And I can't. I Preach. can't fucking wait, man. Preach. We're just getting started right now. But honestly, you guys go to go to our site. If you have chronic back pain or somebody you know, just 
Go to MovieU.com. We have so much free shit. We have blogs. We have our podcasts out there. All this stuff's designed to get you to wrap your head around what it takes. But it is a trans. You need to go through a transformation. Understand that. We have the process for you. We have the free shit. You can do it on your own if you want. I don't even give a shit about your money. I want you guys just to actually know what it takes to do it. That's the big picture. It's not the short-term shit. It's not the pill. It's not the shot. It's not the six weeks of PT. You have to work your ass off. But you, whenever you have a goal, a, that long-term goal in mind, you're going to do it. Because that goal is what drives people. Uh-huh. Like my sister right now. I love her to death. She's having health problems because her goal is so short. I just want to feel comfortable in my skin. It's not enough. Yeah. What's that bigger goal? That bigger goal for me to change the world and make it a better place? That's why I'm fucking driven right now. Right. Before it, I would just fill my life with just more hobbies and recreation. Spear fishing you know, and other uh, shits. Uh, there, there was a... Um there was an old rabbi dude on uh, on Facebook. I saw somebody listed a video, and the guy talked about the lobster. I'm sure you guys have seen this little video. The dude, have you seen I don't know. Guy I don't think lobsters? so. So, uh, lobsters. How do lobsters grow? Was this deal? Was so like basically uh, the shell is confining because they have this exoskeleton. So as the lobster continues to grow, the pressure becomes so terrible and so unbearable that they go underneath a rock and they basically shed their skin. And then they, you know, basically uh, it rehardens and regrows around them. And then when it hardens and they continue to grow, the only thing that forces the lobster to continue to grow is pressure and pain and feeling uncomfortable in your skin. So he sheds it. And so the idea when you said about your sister wanting to feel comfortable in your own skin, that isn't what makes you grow. And more importantly, that isn't how you get there. You need to literally continue to fight to basically be expand and learn yeah. and be motivated. And that with there, there is no there is no growth without struggle. There is no getting stronger without struggle. And like that, that's where people are constantly going through this idea of like, well, I don't want to struggle in life. I don't want to have this. And I'm like, dude, you need to wake up. Like, I can't imagine not waking up thinking to myself, fuck, I got to get something done today. What if it was somebody just handed you a whole bunch of money and you just get to be a potted houseplant all day? Boring. You're going to lose it all because you never worked for it well, to fine, begin no, with. No, but I mean, like, I I knew, uh, you know, back in the day in, in my previous life, I used to hang out with these billionaire dudes that their dad was a billionaire and they had trust accounts. And, uh, you know, periodically they would buy stupid shit like the Sultaner Bernays house and uh, cash with a check out of their personal checking account. They bought the Sultaner Bernays house connected to the Beverly Hills Hotel, furnished. And... Um, they like their perception of right and wrong and what was good and bad was so fucking skewed because I think like to be able to appreciate a good meal you've had to have a bad meal to like appreciate a nice car you've had to fucking drive a piece of shit love it and like these dudes perception was so off because like you know they fucking flew private jets everywhere I mean like they you know like 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 they had no appreciation for anything because nothing had any value it didn't matter if it was good or bad it was all the same and I remember, like, uh, like making the comment that, like, um, uh, I would never have wanted their life. It was the fucking most uh, useless life uh, in existence. And these yeah. dudes were so insulted. They're like, what are you talking about? We, we, you know, we're richer, this. And I was like, dude, money doesn't buy class and money doesn't buy happiness. And unfortunately, you will never know what it's like to actually fucking earn anything <laughs> yourself. Even though, you know, using somebody else's money. I mean, dude, if you give somebody $100 million, you can play yourself into some amazing fucking deals to make more hundreds of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. but making that initial money to get to the point is the fucking struggle and the hard Mm -hmm. part and like you know and like there's a reason that you know they're like they just there was never any satisfaction with anything like nothing was ever good bad it was just blah Uh and um i remember at that point i was like man first i'm gonna stop hanging out with these guys and two like that's not uh, like you know, like it's just not there's the way a, it there's is. an amazing Daniel Tosh skit though that's like, yeah, money doesn't buy you happiness. 
Well, by a wave runner. You ever seen a sad person on a wave runner? <laughs> well, well that's, that's that song. Like, that guy said, he's like, uh, you know, um, you know, like, well, what was it? Uh, if I had a, or like, like, if I was rich, I'd, uh, what is it? I'd have a fucking boat and uh, a Yeti full of fucking a beer. And he's like, that's happiness. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, uh, like money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a boat. boat it can buy beer. you some beer and a fucking, you know, some hot yeah, chicks sure. to hang out on your boat. So, but that's the same. It's the same with chronic pain. It's like, if you are in it right now, it's actually a blessing because when you figure, out and you actually go through the process of getting out it, you're gonna appreciate everything so much yeah more. how much uh, oh my being God. pain-free and what yeah. happens is then when you start when you're lazy for two weeks on vacation your shoulder and back starts hurting again you it forces you to stay fit and active yeah it does yeah. like my dad overweight yeah. no pain that's a problem now it's uh, like posture. probably like listen there's gonna be someone who's gonna think i'm an idiot but it, it my girlfriend her sister is celiac Right, so it's kind of the same. She can't eat fried dog shit food. Forces her to stay healthy. It forces her to stay healthy, and she's in like great shape. She looks great, and if she slips up a little bit, she suffers so much that it kind of backs her into the corner of being, you know, gluten free, grain free, uh, and making, yeah, making more nutrient dense food choices. And like, now of course, like I'm sure she probably wouldn't wish that on her worst enemy, like the Rob Wolf type deal, where he, you know, you turn into a fucking leaky faucet from both ends. Dude, Rob, if Rob gets it's gluten bombed like bring in the fucking house. but same deal for him yeah. like he, there, he has no choice but to d- dial in the nutrition and then I mean dude's like, what's he now 45 or something like that yeah, and j- just shape. posted posted a picture of him looking like total fucking jack and like so you look at that but so that's the same analog with the the, the back pain 100 is like we can fix it we can manage it and the process of continually managing it will put you in, like you said, that long term is going to make you such a better these person. these people, when after the, if they're a chronic pain, let's say they go through our process, whatever, we know them after, they are they are loving their life more than ever mm-hmm. because they got something that they had before. And it's so much more precious to them at this point. Yeah. The people that get pain, they, they'll go, let's say someone, let's say you've had surgery or shot and you feel great. You know what? It's going to come back. And the reason why it's just like it's like winning the lottery. Seventy percent of lottery winners file bankruptcy within three years. Yeah. Because you didn't work for it. You don't the people that make money, they keep it because they work the they know how money works. The same with the back. If you learn the process in your back shoulder, whatever it is, you know how it works and you have it forever. That's why you can't rely on anybody, a doctor, me, nobody for your health. You're your own best doctor. You just got to get the knowledge and you have to have the motivation, drive, skill in there. You got to want it enough. Yeah. I, uh, I think all athletes should suffer an injury. And I mean, I'm talking like season ending. Um, John talks about his rookie year. Uh, my, my freshman year was taken away from me, and there was nothing worse than sitting on the sideline, and you couldn't do anything about your team getting their ass kicked. Yeah. So then rehab had a purpose, and then every opportunity I had, whether it was practice game, meant more. Love it. That frustration of seeing that drove you to get back. Yeah. And then dealing with the incoming freshmen every single year and trying to, I guess, teach them that drive without them suffering the injury. Yeah. That's... Something I always struggled with. That character development. It's it's really hard to value something if you never lose it. Like, I always think, like, um, I, you know, played football and did whatever, and then I've had a series of injuries, and I remember each time the injury came up, like, all of a sudden it takes this away from you, and you, like, this fucking point of reflection, because, you know, you really can't do shit. Like, I tore an ACL um, and had, you know, surgery, and all of a sudden now, like, the season snatched, and, you know, I'm, I'm, like, this was in my third year. And all of a sudden, I got two more years to play, and like you're coming back from a fucking you know ACL, which at the time was pretty horrific because they used middle third patellar tendon. It was a little more archaic, 
And it just gives you this like moment of reflection where all of a sudden now you like can put a value because all of a sudden you can't do what you wanted to. And you're like, wait a minute, like what the fuck's going on here? Like, and um, I think like without any loss or without any struggle, it's just hard to see the value and stuff. And then I, you know, I fight all the way back and then I get to the NFL. I start my first game as a rookie and at the end of that fucking first half, I rupture my patellar tendon and they tell me I'm never going to play football again. Now all of a sudden you're seeing this thing from like, I got to the place I wanted to be where everybody wants to go. I knocked on the door, took a step in and got thrown out of the club. Mm. <laughs> now I got to fight to get back in the club mm. and prove that I belong there. And like, that was my training was like this idea of, and really what you guys see here with this power athlete stuff was a lot of my observations about helping me get back to just try to get in, inside to fucking do this job again. And, um, and then, you know, from there being able to do it and I shit, I come back and ended up starting 16 games that next year. And then that's when I went down and met the Ruiz. So I'd already had all this training and like had understood how to do it. And then when I went back with Roth, it like, you know, that was a really rich experience for me and just allowed me to build on all that stuff. Well, where does that drive come from? And we were talking about this earlier. One thing I don't, I legitimately fucking hate losing. And like, I like for some reason in like, other ways like I mean I don't you know like fuck gambling I could care less about I mean you know if we were to go play chess I wouldn't care when you kicked my ass <laughs> in chess uh, but like in a physical one on one confrontation like that type of shit where you put me in that situation I don't want to fucking lose I'll bite your finger off like mm-hmm. like in that type of attitude where like I'm going to go toe to toe like that just you know like you put you put somebody in that life and death like in that type of struggle and that type of situation and that's the shit I live for Burn, you know, the sh- burn the ships. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, but like, you know, and that's kind of even a little bit with the Fight Club stuff, where like, you know, you could yell at somebody on the phone or be pissed off about your fucking IKEA furniture, but like, you know, you put somebody in a fight and they learn about themselves. You put somebody in some form of struggle. You take people to jujitsu. You put them in something, whether it's training, lifting weights, or really just doing anything that's physical. And there has to be some element of fucking danger. That was something I wrote about in the in the talk to me, Johnny. That's coming out. Um, that what we've effectively done is remove, tried to remove danger from everything mm-hmm. so that people can't hurt themselves. And unfortunately, if you don't hurt yourself a little bit, like, um, like a uh, case in point, uh, we were at the beach and I'm, I'm holding the babies in the sand and he fucking lunges and face plants in the sand. And, and my wife was like this and I was like, he's got to fucking learn. I'd much rather have a face plant on the sand than on the concrete. And he was so pissed. I have sand in his eyes. And, uh, but like you almost have to learn these small little failures. Like if your first failure is behind the, the, the wheel of a, a you know, three, 4,000 pound automobile, you got problems. Like you need to ride a tricycle. You need to ride like a bicycle. You need to learn exactly what pain feels like. You need to skin a knee, fall off a tree, break an arm, do all those things so that you can start learning what your boundaries are. This is why kids get fucked up when they go to college that have never been exposed to alcohol. Now all of a sudden what do they do? I've never drank alcohol. I don't know what this fucking 12 drinks is going to do to me. You know what? It's going to fucking kill you. 12 drinks. Pussy. <laughs> First time out. I'm totally kidding. It's like when, I, when, when me and my buddy Ryan Swain decided, I think we were like 13 years old, that we were going to get boozed up. What do we do? We did like, I think we drank like two beers and had like three Jack Daniels shots. Oh, you're fucked. <laughs> right? He fucking passed out like in the backyard and I threw up and like passed out in my room. Tank, like, tank. Oh, we were fucked up. Right. And, uh, and I remember at that point being like, oh, three shots, way too many. Yeah. Right. And like, but like, that's the, that's how you learn boundaries. And I think the problem becomes is that in training, especially like people never push to their, uh, to their envelope. So they don't really know like where their boundary is. Like we, like we've always said, you know, I mean, Greg Glassman for all his contributions 
contributions in the world. The only one that is really of value to me is his statement where that he made was, uh, we failed the margins of our experience, which I mean, we use it quite often. And that's a great glass meaning quote, but that idea that, you know, you fail as far as you've pushed. And like, if you want to continue to push the envelope, then you know what, your margin of error becomes, you know, in a sense, smaller, because you've experienced more. Yes. Like, it's, you know, and I always thought it was ironic, like you go and you uh, confess your sins to a priest, but like, I mean, should we really be compressing to a to a priest? I mean, you know, the idea like, you know, why would you talk to somebody that doesn't know about sin? Talk to a sinner if you want to know about sin. That same deal. Yeah, but it's not only the thing uh, about pushing your limits and failing, but also, like you said, talk about social responsibility, direction. You need someone there to direct you in the right way. Otherwise, Are you giving a preview of your talk this weekend, Tex? Look, Is that what you're doing? You, you need, it's just fresh from my mind. Well, well, yeah, I know. I'm yeah, but here's the thing. like For eternity, who has that? Who who has been the voice of reason and the fucking, the veritable uh, dude on the tarmac doing this for people? Your parents. Yeah. Okay. Right. I thought there was like a your fucking dad or, or higher power or religion. No, but but it should. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's. But say the flesh power. and blood version but, but, but is like your, supposed to be your parents. But then that even that turns into. But the into, problem is, if your fucking dad is a pussy or has never done yeah, anything, then yeah. all of a sudden, like the the th- fearful, like um, I've observed two things. Right. One is uh, dickhead kids usually have dickhead parents. Anytime we go anywhere and there's a fucking asshole kid, any of the parties I've ever been to, his parent always, his fucking mom and dad always turn up. But John. Don't you, think, but, don't you but think the that... same thing too like scared parents have scared kids because like I've seen parents do it all the time like the kid falls, oh this and like I let my kids fall I, I watched it at your know. house your daughter just absolutely she's like standing on a, on a <laughs> just face planted from two feet up onto the floor yeah. I'm like, oh you're my god. Fine. He's like, she's she's good. Yeah, but John, don't like, you think that there you're because you're still young in your parenting journey. Like there's gonna be a passing of the torch. And you you start to observe this where it's either a, a older older sibling or an old a friend's older sibling or a friend at school who's like the the proverbial ringleader, they now become the mentor. Right? And like on the micro scale and the short developmental scale, where it all does, like, then all of a sudden your advice, like, your fucking signals don't mean anything. They'll just say, yeah, dad, yeah, mom, whatever. And it's just like the majority of the social development comes then through the through the pack that's sure. developed and then there's a point where it comes fucking full circle isn't there and like I know this because I, I like I have points in my life I would think about like holy shit if I had just listened to my parents and not my dipshit friends or vice versa or the fucking internet <laughs> yeah. you know like I could have been further off and I, t- I tell them all the time and then like you hit like 27 years old all of a sudden you have you like a man in the, your parents. Yeah, you're like I should have just yeah. fucking listened you're like yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about yeah. and it's like now it's but, like you're uh, later on but, in life where the, all of a sudden the signal are but a lot don't more like, but, right? but this is what we got back to earlier talking about you have to let people fail. Totally. So, so like I think what you do is you provide your kids the the, <clears throat> the groundwork, the framework to work from, and you basically like influence them as much as you can, and you hope that once you're not the influence anymore, yeah, when it's deaf ears, yeah, then then at least some semblance of what you've done fucking carries over. Sure. And uh, and also I think a fear. Fear is a fucking real thing as a parent. Um, I like and still fear in the for, heart of your kids for all for all this. And I tell my kids all the time: remember, I'm your dad. I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, uh, you know, I want them to be fucking nervous forever about their dad. Like, I want them to be able to tell me everything, but like, I want them to be able to tell their friends, like, if we do this and we get in trouble, my dad's, dad's gonna fucking kill me and you. Yeah, you know, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. 
Him and his crazy fucking friends are going to probably kill your parents, too. Yeah, and, I mean, like, my dad played in the NFL, and those guys killed themselves. My dad will have no problem coming over. His friends are born to kill tattoos on their knuckles. Except Tex. Tex is just hairy. That, that, that tattoo's on my head. <laughs> but nobody will see it through the body hair. That's why I got it. Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about parenting. I just reflect on how I, you know, the, those significant phases of, like, basically idiocracy. Like, you know, dumb dipshit fucking 20-year-old dude thinking they know everything and you look yeah. back now. I don't know. I'm 34 now. But, like, you do come back to your parents as the kind of the moral compass and uh, assuming they're proven to be so. Right? Well, I mean, yeah. If you're, I mean, cause, but there's a lot of fucking dipshits out yeah, there. I mean, you know. uh, for, uh, there, there are a lot of people that probably shouldn't have had children. I mean, I, I always love where people are like, oh, I don't want to have kids. And they're like, oh, I'm too selfish and all this other stuff. I'm like, nah, dude, you're probably just lazy. But, I mean, um, and fuck it, having kids is a, is a full-time responsibility. But... If you don't want to have kids, don't fucking have them. Yeah. Because uh, they'll fucking suck all your time and life away. You'll do have nothing of yourself anymore. That's all you do is kids. You're, you're so, like you're a shining star. You're so happy. You're a billboard for recreation is what <laughs> is you are. Is this the social responsibility speech? Stop having kids? <laughs> uh, no, I honestly think that everybody should have at least seven of them. Shit. <laughs> I'm going for a dozen. Serving the, everyone should sh- serve Too many the military. military and everybody should have a bunch of kids. Yeah. Well, let's do this. It's two hours in. Yeah, we're good. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Mike? I mean... I think we're good. I mean, it's just overall this... Listen, we talked about this fear. Uh, it, I've been in Big Brother, Big Sister program for four years. Oh, okay. I, I had a kid who was 13, 14, like, nightmare. But I've supported him while he failed. I encouraged him to do something and watch him You fail. had a kid when you were 13 or 14 years old? Is that what you said? <laughs> no. I've been in... He was 13, 14 oh, in the oh, Big Brother, oh, Big oh, Sister oh, program. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But the point of taking this with people is those skills where he well, was... Well, you are from Youngstown, Ohio, are you? That's right. You remember that? Yeah, you are from I'm actually no, from Pittsburgh, but I went to school at Kent and lived in Youngstown. Okay, because, you know, Youngstown, Ohio is actually the armpit of America. Oh, it is the uh-huh. one... It's, no, Warren, Ohio was voted like the worst city to live in, and, the, and that's where I lived, actually. Oh, okay, next to the Paris of the Midwest, yes, Cleveland. Cleveland. No, 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 no. We're... Fort Wayne, Indiana <laughs> is actually the, uh, the fucking... Uh, 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 Butthole of yeah, America. Sure. Like I went to now, Naperville is like the Ibiza of the Midwest. <laughs> it's a party town. You go to Lantern, get some glow sticks. It's all good. Dude, young, so uh, Steve Everett, who was our center when I was at the Eagles, his uh, wife uh, was from Youngstown, Ohio, and Everett used to call it the fucking uh, armpit of America. And uh, I ended up going to Youngstown, Ohio, and... He was like right. A, He's yeah, absolutely right. He was fine, but uh, it seemed like a lot of bars on every corner, but that's like any fucking city that yeah, you ever go town. to. That's all bars we knew. Churches, I grew up fishing, hunting out there. I didn't know any better. Yeah, and It was Warren. It's like uh, it's like when I went to Philly, they're like, what do you think of living in Philly? I'm like, there's literally a bar on every corner. And people were like, yeah. Like, <laughs> I know there's a bar on every corner. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. It's what you do. Bars you get church, fucked right? up. That's great, right? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> and there's pizza. And, and you know, fuck. So, well, cool. Hey, uh, Dr. Mike, thank you very much for being on. As always, it's a pleasure. dot com. right? Yeah, moveu.com. And guys, follow us on Instagram. Yep. Our Instagram's going off. Facebook, pretty good. It does go off. I mean, literally. We have a, guys. We have a great time. It was. We just. We just tried to un just deliver you 
what it really takes to live a healthy, active life pain-free. Yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's about moving your body correctly. We're here to help you guys. We have all kinds of customer service. Just shoot a message. I'm always here to help you guys out. Cool. Uh, MoveU.com. Yeah. We, Thanks, guys. Yeah, we'll Hopefully put all that in the show, show notes, and we'll uh, we'll post up some stuff for everybody. And uh, I'm sure we'll bring Dr. Mike back and uh, cool. maybe, maybe do some joint stuff. And uh, You heard um, it, people. You know, uh, do some things. And wealth of information. Now, is that yes. joint a double entendre? As in, like, collaborative and joint, like... The things that do this, I'm bending my arm. You get it? Joint? Pain? Oh, I, I got it. I don't think you guys do Joint it. effort. I don't think you do it. <laughs> All right, people. You heard it. Cross collaboration. So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Mike. See you guys. Thank Peace. You. Thanks, guys. Bye. Peace. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Follow all of Dr. Mike's Knowledge Bombs on Instagram. Just search for his page at moveyou underscore official. You can also utilize his website for consults, programming, and his podcast. Head to moveyou.com for all the info. Until next time, bye!